the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Friday, June 17th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. It's like everywhere I look and everywhere I go, I'm hearing motherfuckers trying to steal my flow, but it ain't no thing to see my nigga Julio put me up on the game when I step through the door. You know, some of these niggas is so deceptive, using my styles like a contraceptive. I hope you get burnt, seems you haven't learned, it's the knick-knack paddywhack, I still got the biggest sack, so put your gun away, run away, cause I'm back. Why? Hit him up, get him up, split him up now. Tell me what's going on. It make me want to holler because my dollars come in ozones. No, but the break this episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t shirts, coffee cups, and all around barbecue related gear for you to make barbecue great again. Can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, Man Rubs. Use the code Steak15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at StayReadyGear.com and on Instagram, StayReadyGearUSA. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers. Tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. We've got a bunch of stuff going on right now heading into Father's Day. Still experiencing BOGO, MyPillows, towels, sheets, buy one, get one free. In addition to that, my slippers. Probably uh, every dad's dream. Usually one thirty nine ninety nine down to forty nine ninety nine. Damn. And in addition to that, that when you enter pro- promo code stake at checkout, you get big big savings on all the other great stuff they got going on there at mypillow.com. Hit them up on the website mypillow.com forward slash stake. You can talk to a qualified pillow representative one eight hundred six five eight eighty forty five. The top tier of ear gear, the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment, can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, living in a doggy dog world, get those ears taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been serving Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you live in Canada, don't stutter. Enter into the tradesies. He's got a five-star rating as well. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. He's got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the uh, gold standard tactical flair, home of the zero fuck stuck. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us is the website. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias. The website, our newest Substack, Telegram, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified account on True Social. Welcome. Friday edition. 
Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 144. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. Hello, hello. Sublime and Slime is here. How's it going? And so is Bricksuit. Hello, everybody. Guys, we got a big show for you today. We got a whole bunch of runoff elections coming up in Mississippi and Georgia. We're going to hear from Jake Evans and Mike Cassidy, running mate of uh, Joe Kent, Washington 4. Lauren Culp's going to be here, senatorial candidate out of Oklahoma, Jackson Lehmeyer, and everybody's top governor candidate running on the East Coast out of the great state of Pennsylvania. Doug Mastriano is going to be joining us as well. In addition to that, we're going to bring you some news. It's going to be a great Friday edition of the show, so uh, buckle up. All right, joining us first today on this Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast podcast, he ran a great primary campaign, America First candidate, Trump-endorsed constitutional warrior who's looking to represent uh, Georgia's sixth after the special runoff election next week. Mr. Jake Evans, thanks for coming back on the show. Absolutely. It's good to join you today. Sir, it's great to have you. How's everything going with you? I can only assume busy would be probably the uh, only <laughs> applicable word. That's right. We, we are full steam ahead. We are uh, in a runoff. We finished in Georgia. There used to be nine week runoffs and now it's four weeks. So it's a consolidated period. We got next Tuesday is our election day. It's early voting here in Georgia. Uh, so we're working hard and earning the support. Uh, looks like low turnout. It's going to be a low turnout runoff election. It's in the heart of the summer. Uh, but we're winning these votes one one voter at a time. Now, you, you did have a pretty extensive and, and well, hands-on ground game throughout the course of your, your primary campaign. I'm sure you're uh, utilizing that component right now when it's down to the wire. Mm-hmm. That's right. Absolutely. We got, you know, obviously it's all about turning out our MAGA voters, turning out our, our Trump voters. Uh, thankfully, we've got the most energized voters in the party. We've got the most reliable, the most dependable voters in the party. Uh, so being the Trump-endorsed candidate in this race uh, undoubtedly helps. And also, I've got a record of, of fighting for my conservative values, fighting for religious liberties or churches uh, as a constitutional lawyer against liberal cities. Uh, only jo- a lawyer in Georgia history to overturn two elections in the same race, a former chairman of Georgia Ethics Commission. Uh, so I've got the record of, of fighting for the principles that made America the greatest country on earth. And President Trump's nod uh, also obviously distinguishes me against my rhino competitor. That, uh, that's that's exactly the case. And we're going to get into both of those points real quick. Now, in regards to the Trump nod, it is an amazing achievement to get the Trump administration, uh, well, President Trump's endorsement. And then, you know, you, you, you were connected to President Trump when he was in office. So, you know, he's seen you actually work and, and, and knows about all about your awesome track record. But the fact of the matter is we, we had Miss Liz Harrington on the show uh, earlier in the week, and she talked about the importance of voters getting out. Sometimes the endorsement's not enough. And I think the compliment of your ground game and then your obviously well-documented resume are going to be things that help get you over the top because uh, we saw in some primary races already this year, uh, it, it's not necessarily not a Trump endorsement or a Trump endorsement that gets an America first candidate over the top or not. It's, it's the voter turnout and the uninterestedness of it sometimes. And uh, it's good to see you out there working really hard and getting those voters engaged. Uh, you're exactly right. Yeah, don't take for granted the endorsement. I think uh, far too many candidates just assume you've got it and you win. Uh, first of all, it's harder to inform folks about it than, than you really think. Uh, but once they know, I mean, and, and once they know that you're the guy that uh, is consistent with what President Trump stands for, which is secure borders, uh, supporting our law enforcement, energy independence. I mean, my goodness, that's something which is about as common sense as you're going to get. Uh, but one of Joe Biden's first acts was eliminating the Keystone Pipeline. Yes. Uh, so we, we I've made very clear on the trail that we need more Jim Jordans and less adding Kinsingers. Uh, and our, our country really does depend on having bold and afraid leadership 
uh, leadership that's going to fight against the grain, leadership that's going to fight for the values that made this country great, even when it's not politically expedient. And that's what I've been all about since the beginning. Yeah, you certainly have. And, and I think uh, one of the big things that our listenership really wants to hear going into this critical weekend where they're going to make a decision early next week is that the major differences between you and, and your your primary now runoff opponent, you want to just give some of the uh, maybe top two or three reasons that separate you guys at the top of the ticket? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, there's a stark contrast in my race. We've got one guy who's been running for Congress uh, for 39 straight months, uh, unsuccessful uh, politician. He's bought out by just about every special interest group in D.C., a lot of the rhino groups he's bought out by. Uh, so he's as establishment swampy as has become. He, he doesn't take hard stances on anything. He won't talk about January 6th. Uh, he won't talk about the election and the, the major issues showing that he was likely stolen here in Georgia. And we've got me, who, who is the America first fighter, the guy that fought on the front lines in 2020 uh, for election integrity, uh, the guy that has been very outspoken and said one of the first acts I want to do in Congress is disband the Jan- January 6th commission, which is nothing more uh, but a political weapon that the Democrats are using uh, to relitigate the past because they got no fusion. They have no vision for the future. Uh, so we've got to have those type of folks. And, and our message is resonating on the ground. I, I think uh, voters across the sixth district realize that if we don't get back uh, to that bold, unafraid conservatism, that street fighter mentality that President Trump has, we're going to lose this country. And that, that's a lot to fight for. And there's a lot on the line in 2022. Uh, that's an excellent point you make. And you pretty much hit almost all the bullet points, except one that I wanted to touch on with you. You talked about securing the border. You talked about the January 6th commission. And then, of course, one of your biggest stalwarts is the election integrity stuff. I don't think anybody who's involved in any campaign across the country, no matter how much they campaign on it, has been more like up to their elbows involved than you have since day one. And that really mm-hmm. goes to uh, your credit here. The last thing I wanted to ask you about, I think this is why the people of Georgia might not it's not necessarily that they want change, but they need it. It's the economy right now. We are so close, if not at the start already of a recession, there seems to be no end in sight. Uh, the Biden administration complains to blame everybody except their own radical progressive agenda for, you know, the prices of gas, the prices of energy to heat or cool your homes, the empty food shelves, the no uh, formula in the stores and stuff like that. And we're just getting into the summer months. There's people who are saying that that national average, which we know is lower than it actually is. Like for instance, Jake, we're in Southern California. Our inflation rate's closer to 20%. It just is. Wow. Uh, we're, we're paying $7 a gallon for gasoline here and all the shelves in our store are empty. Whatever you can buy is usually brought in from other parts of the country that we normally don't get them in the store and they're in bulk and they're like triple the price. It cost me $9 for 18 eggs the other day. And Man. Um, I think the people of Georgia know there's a lot of hardworking blue collar middle-class families in there who are getting tore up right now with all these ridiculous prices in the economy. What's the, what's the big thing right now that you could do in the house to help either propose legislation or stop from the other side of, of some of these policies that the Biden administration is doing to hurt the, uh, the MAGA base across the country? It's a great question. And, and I think you hit on one of the number one issues hurting Americans, including my voters uh, in Georgia 6, which is the hyperinflationary crisis. We're looking at 40 year highs for inflation. We're looking at across the board increasing prices, specifically groceries, uh, which hurts the lower middle class the most. Uh, first, we need to bring manufacturing jobs back to America. We need to put America first. Uh, that reduces our supply chain crisis issues that we've been running into. Uh, it also increases our ability to employ uh, people across the spectrum. 
We need to quit these government handouts. I mean, just giving away money obviously doesn't work. I mean, first of all, it doesn't work because it decreases the purchasing power of the dollar. Uh, I think that's about as obvious as you're going to get. Uh, and then second, it changes the fabric of America. I mean, what makes us uniquely American is the American work ethic. We don't take uh, two months off during the middle of summer like they do in Europe. We work. We have, uh, in my opinion, the, the strongest ingenuity and creativity in the world. Uh, that's what makes us uniquely American. And these are what, uh, under President Trump's administration, he reinvigorated. I mean, we unleashed the power of the American worker, the American economy. Uh, and if we get back to those policies, I have no doubt we will do it again. But Joe Biden is putting us in reverse and he's putting us in reverse fast. No, I completely agree with you there. And I think it's going to be, you know, real America first champions like you in the House next fall. That's going to to help get this uh, country back on the right track, which leads me to my last point. Jake, you know, it's a, it's a critical weekend. This show is going to be out on Friday afternoon. We're going to have our listeners give a long, you know, hard, amount of time to listen to it between then and Tuesday. We want to be able to direct anybody last minute donations, boots on the ground for our listenership in Georgia and things of that nature to get involved with your campaign in some way, shape or form. So on Tuesday, you have the most successful runoff election possible. Can you give us your social medias and uh, campaign website? Absolutely. So it's Jake Evans, GA, his social media website is jakeevans.org. Um, and, and we can use all the help we can get. Obviously, we're working hard. We're meeting the voters one voter at a time. Turnout is going to be low. Uh, but this will be closely watched runoff election with the Trump endorsed candidate uh, versus the establishment rhino. And we've got to make sure we're getting the right people elected to Congress. And each and every person who uh, helps us can make a big difference in the end. Yeah, we're going to live link those in the show description uh, today. And like I said, we're going to get as much as our listenership involved moving into the runoff election on Tuesday. This is the Trump-endorsed America First constitutional warrior who's running in that Georgia runoff election next Tuesday. Mr. Jake Evans, thanks for coming back on the show. Uh, thank you, buddy. Take care. Well, it's Pride Month. Not like we care. Um, or, or really extensively cover it on the show. We, we kind of don't really get into the whole your sexual orientation deserves more, you know, attention than D-Day or Memorial the country Day, apart. right? Martin Luther King Day or, or anything like that, God forbid. Um, but instead of focusing on anything that we're having issues with in this country right now, like the inability to find food or baby formula, the southern border, new numbers came out today. I don't know if you guys saw. Uh, DHS is reporting that we're about at half a million getaways for this fiscal year. So just imagine what the real number is, if that's the official DHS number. Yeah, I think it was 93,000 last month, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, when, uh, you, when you say getaways, meaning like that they were processed and now they can't find them? Negative. No, that was uh, they saw them on camera and or sensor and uh, couldn't find them after they waved by. Oh, wow. Yeah. Half a million. Yeah. Or, or anything, you know, <laughs> we're just funneling money to Ukraine and and we're worried about LBGT month. And instead of doing something to maybe lower the gas prices or or combat anything that's going on in this country, like rampant crime. Joe Biden decided to sign a bunch of uh, executive orders regarding Pride Month this week at the uh, White House. How about Cheap Gas Month? When is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's actually funny that you mentioned that because today uh, some of the press pool is peppering KGP with uh, there's rumors that they're going to be sending us gift cards. Ooh. Yeah. And instead of COVID <laughs> relief checks, we're going to be getting gas gift cards. Gas gift cards. <laughs> Another way to devalue our dollar. Yeah. And that costs more money than sending us a check. Yeah, it certainly does. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's idiotic. That's true. I mean, I would expect nothing less from this administration, but good for them for keeping it, you know, keeping us guessing. She talked about it this week before she introduced the president to uh, briefly give a comment on some of these uh, executive orders. Let's hear her uh, talk about it. 
Finally, this is the last thing here. Uh, following today's briefing, we know we have to gather at uh, four, you all have to gather at 345, so try and take as many questions as possible. The President will sign an executive order advancing uh, equality for LGBTQI plus individuals, equality. which includes historic steps to support LGBTQI plus families and children. The, e, the EO directs federal agencies to address extreme legislative attacks, help put an end to con conversion therapy, improve mental health care, and prevent youth suicide, launch a new initiative to protect foster youth, and prevent homelessness, and more. These are historic right. actions that build on the progress we have made advancing equality for LGBTQI plus Americans and people around the world, but the federal government can and most and, and can and must do more. It's critically by Congress passing the Equality Act. The president will renew his call for Congress to send a bill to his desk. And with that, I mean, homelessness is gay now. I heard her throw that one in there. What isn't? Actually, I mean, really, I mean, the whole everything's on the table for them. Ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't even know what to do with that whole there's clip. A, I was there's, just a, there's a great photo that came out today. It's uh, uh, Dr. Levine and KGP in the White House holding the pride progress flag. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. memes of it are off the hook. I mean, <laughs> this is you know, the problems that we're facing the nation. And here's the solution. Holding a flag together in the Oval Office, mugging for the camera as if that's going to solve anything, which of course it's not. No. And, you know, you would think that they would know by now that you don't hold up an object in front of you that can easily be photoshopped and have a slogan changed on it. But no, they haven't figured it out. And that's happening. And they're taking them, just their silhouette and plopping it down, like in some of these uh, uh, clubs where they're doing the drag celebrations, shall we call them. Mm. And it's just, you know, it's we're only six months into that meme curve. <laughs> I expect I expect very fruitful results. Nice. You know, my screen capture was pack it up, China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea. It's over of the Randy Levine and uh, KGP holding up the pride flag in the, in the Oval Office. I, I don't understand what the – like, they do understand. We, like, they have to know we still have international enemies. Like, you know, just imagine some of those uh, PowerPoint presentations they're doing in, in Iran or in Russia and China talking about the uh, – strong will of the American government, especially... Uh, oh, I thought you meant like a PowerPoint of like how to throw people off the roof for being gay. Yeah. Or uh, <laughs> pick your favorite stone. Oh. It's always a, yeah. a great one is Joe Biden's getting ready to go beg Saudi Arabia for for oil next the, week. The, the pet rock market over there is really huge. Mm. I just read a headline about that, that um, they were being, they're specifically saying he's not meeting with MBS, but he's, he's going to a meeting where he will be. <laughs> and I'm like, what's the point of clarifying that? I think my, the the best part of the Liz Harrington interview, besides her complete and total endorsement of us last week, was when uh, we asked her if she thought Joe Biden was going to get a sword dance. When we're <laughs> we actually got her to, to do a to an organic laugh, and it was pretty good. So she wants a little snort in there. I was I was very pleased with yeah. that one, but that ain't happening. Um, I mean, there might be some swords, but they're not going to be dancing. <laughs> it is Pride Month. Oh. Joe Biden did talk on these executive orders that he was signing, which still don't make any sense and, and neither is what he's saying as usual went off the rails let's hear it no one knows better than the people in this room we have a lot more work to do a lot more work to do i don't have to tell you about the ultra MAGA agenda attacking families and our freedoms 300 discriminatory bills introduced in states across this country in texas knocking on front doors to harass and investigate parents who are raising transgender children in florida 
going after Mickey Mouse, for God's sake. That's right, close to home. No, but think about this. All of you in this room know better than anyone that these attacks are real and consequential for real families. <laughs> going after Mickey Mouse, for goodness sakes. Huh. I don't even know where to go with it with him I, anymore. I don't either. <laughs> I'm surprised he could talk coherently that long. That was a good clip for him. It really yeah, was. Yeah, that was actually pretty good. As things go. We, we were talking about it last week. Try to find a clip of like Joe Biden yeah. consistently talking for longer than 40 seconds. It's impossible. Mm. Unless he's doing his Joey Amtrak story. Because he's got that down perfect. I mean, the miles always vary, but he can do that. That's 10,000 miles each way in the snow uphill both ways. Exactly. He got, to, he got to honk the horn every once in a while. The conductor loved him. He bounced him on his knee. That's creepy. Did you see Joe leaving the White House today? No. All right, so it's Friday, so of course he's leaving early to go to Delaware for vacation. Of course. 11 a.m. scheduled departure. Mm. He comes out onto the White House lawn, and he looks down, and he sees the reporters, and they start yelling, bite, you know, they start yelling questions at him, and, and he's, uh, you can see him, the wheels spinning in his head. He just breaks out into a trot towards the helicopter. Like, he doesn't even want to talk to them. He just, like, sprints away from them. He gets about halfway down the lawn, then, okay, I guess he's far enough, or maybe he had an accident and his depends or something, yeah. I don't know. But he just basically... Everybody wants to ask him a question because there's a lot of issues out there, a lot of things to be dealt with. He doesn't even want to face any of them. He just bolts to the helicopter and he's gone. That sounds about right. They asked him when he was leaving the, uh, this event yesterday where it's supposed to be like this monumental executive order that he signed that's supposed to give everybody rights now, including homeless people, which I wasn't aware of because I didn't listen to the total clip. But, um, and they're, they're saying like, Sir, you haven't sat down with the actual press now in like close to 130 days. Like, and, and he like stopped and like looked over his shoulder and like, why are you avoiding everyone? And he just like turned around and walked out the door. <laughs> uh, I was like, <laughs> that is that is exactly what he does. You mean like this? Yeah. So I, I can't. I can't. Well, I mean, I'm going to circle back to Liz again. She did say they. She thinks that they put Joe Biden on display so much just to demoralize our base. Yeah. Like they just let him. Yeah, go. Say whatever you want. You That's want, an interesting theory. Oh, you want yeah. to bomb, we're bombing China now? Cool. You want to put Vladimir Putin up for war crimes and, and let all your uh, Congress people run around and say he needs to get murdered and we need to engage in war in Ukraine? Go do that. Um, say you're going pedal to the floor on green energy when gas is $7 a gallon out here in Southern California just to demoralize the base. I thought it made a little bit of sense. Uh, I don't know. If, uh, if it wasn't I mean, we don't rigged, watch him that much. We yeah. would, it might. We know it's rigged. It certainly was. What'd you say, Antoinette? We don't really. I mean, I personally can speak for myself. I don't watch any of these these retards anymore. <laughs> not just because they like they're demoralizing. I just can't stand them. I cannot. It's so hard for me to sit through anything that they say. So I catch up on here with the clips on the show. Well, I mean, we just don't talk about the. You know, you want to sign bills on and legislation on this. How about for the mental illness that's rampant in that community and and how yeah. overt. You know. But we're never going to see it. You got Amazon and YouTube and, and Walmart sponsoring, like, these huge parades where people are walking around with, like, fake dicks and boobs and waving them in front of kids and stuff. Oh, and then the kids are, like, trying to, like, look away from it. And the mom's, like, literally, like, turning twist, their head. twisting her head around. Yeah. Like, oh, like, how do you see that and not think, like, all right, the kid's uncomfortable with this. Like, yeah, if the kid is yeah. curious about this kind of stuff, he'll probably ask you. But just to throw him in the midst of it is, uh, I mean, it's borderline child abuse i think put, put you the know what? I, 
I lived in Hollywood and the majority, well, most of my friends at, some, at one point were gay and they don't even agree with this. They no. wouldn't, yeah, they don't want, <laughs> they would not want me to have my children at that event. They wouldn't go themselves most of the time. And if they did, you know, like, you know, for Pride Month with their other friends that like this kind of stuff, they wouldn't really participate. It's not like a the majority of the gay community, you know, it's it's a small group of people and the media just like throws it out there constantly it's not i mean well yeah you remember when we played that those polls uh where people thought the, the percentages were and what they actually were yeah. uh like gay people trans people and it's like less than one percent of the oh, yeah. u.s population oh, yeah. is trans and people were saying like 25 percent of the population was gay and it's like actually three percent oh. Of yeah, the the, I think trans like legit trans is um now it's a fashion though. Right. So kids, kids are just claiming you know, hey, I'm transgender or I'm, I'm a fucking alien. Whatever. Well, it's the new it's the new but, thing to try to fit in. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't feel like I belong with any of these groups, and in, instead of uh you know putting glue in their hair and cutting a mohawk yeah. or doing something Being like they, emo that's or the new that's shit, the new yeah. thing. Like you know your your angry black finger nail polish is now I'd like to right. potentially chop my Generals off. Yeah, and if it was a real yeah. trend, you'd see similar numbers of increases in this across the country, but you don't. You it's see, it's right. you localized. See, you see it in the liberal enclaves. You see it in L.A. You see it in other areas that are largely liberal on the East Coast. And it's, you know, basically, you could, you could say it's moonshine by proxy by some of these people mm -hmm. who are saying, this is my kid, and I'm going to put my kid, my kid's special because of this. And you know how kids are. They see something, they see somebody getting special treatment for a, a something, and there's a possibility they're going to emulate that. Yep. Definitely. Oppression Olympics. Yeah, it is. And, 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 you know, it's really unfortunate. It's either, you know, listen, Susie, take the dollar bill and put it in for Frank's ass crack. Or <laughs> we're going to bring you back here tomorrow and you can try it again. I just, I don't understand, like, the, the, like the lap dancing children and all that stuff. It's like, regardless of how you feel about somebody's like sexual proclivities like you got to just draw the line at at like a certain level of not being okay around children yeah like, well here's the problem with these people they cannot procreate themselves so their way of procreating is by perverting and like pushing this this shit on on the youth you know so they're in their mind they're like okay i can't make my own kids but i'll make yours like mine because they've got this bitter you know, mentality, I'm not saying all trans and gay people, but a lot of these people are mentally unwell and they have been abused themselves and they don't want to live in their misery alone. So they want to, you know, kind of further the abuse. I mean, I know it's deep, but in my head, I kind of see that being the case with many of these people. Because look at these, these like drag queen story hour dudes, you know, well, you know how many of them have like rap sheets for pedophilia and, and child porn indecent and, exposure and, yeah, and trying and to entrap a child and stuff like it's it's wait. So you're saying these people that are doing drag queen story hours so, sometimes at schools aren't even allowed to be near the school. Yeah. Not basically. according to their ankle monitor. Yeah. Yeah. But if they're if they're dressed in <laughs> drag, they put a and identify someone it. else. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, it's it's sad and, and definitely something we shouldn't put uh, so much emphasis on. I mean, when you just think of, like, the professionality of, like, the workplace, like, celebrating Pride Month, it's like you don't walk around talking, like, you get fired for sexual harassment if you walk around talking about all the pussy you're slaying on the weekend. So so why are we talking about, you know, this other agenda and, and making it a whole month and forced everybody in, like, office buildings and, and, and through major corporations and stuff like that? Yeah, it's all... 
all an agenda, obviously. We all know that. Yeah, well, hopefully it's one that will be ending, uh, you know, not too when long. When Jesus comes. June 30th. <laughs> there you go. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's a former Navy fighter pilot, America First conservative. He's got a big runoff election coming up in Mississippi 3. He's joining us for the first time. Michael Cassidy, thanks for coming down on Steak for Breakfast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, sir, congratulations on getting to the runoff after after the primaries uh, here recently. How's everything been going for you on the campaign trail? What's it looking like right now? Well, we've been able to build on the momentum that we had going uh, going from June 7th, where we got the most votes out of anybody in the race, yep. uh, which you know, I think that's a, a, an accomplishment that the campaign's pretty proud of because I didn't have any political experience coming into this. As you mentioned, I, I, I was an F-18 pilot, uh, and I never did anything other than Navy stuff until two, two to three months ago. Uh, and then after the election, we... Um, you know, we've had several events and the, the feedback that we've gotten from people has been overwhelmingly positive that the biggest issue that we ran into in the first election is that we just didn't have the name recognition that uh, the incumbent Mr. Guests had. Uh, but now that we've had one election, people now know that, you know, somebody was indeed challenging the incumbent. And when they know about my own uh, viewpoints and they know about the record of Mr. Guest, which is not conservative at all. Uh, then the decision is pretty easy for them to make. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's funny that you mentioned it. I want our listenership to get to know you a little bit. Now, you, you mentioned you ran as a, kind of a politically unknown, but you were, you're you're pretty well-known in the community, especially over there at the, uh, you know, you got the stuff going on with the planes and, and some of the instruction you did. You want to give our listenership a little bit of your backstory? Sure. So I, I grew up in Virginia, and uh, I was up in, in Arlington when September 11th happened, and uh, I, uh, after that, I decided that I wanted to be in the military. Uh, it was pretty impactful on me. I was pretty um, mad to use a very mild word about what Al-Qaeda um, did to our nation, and I resolved that I wanted to be in the military. And what some people will say is uh, subjective. I think it is a, an objective proof that the coolest thing you can do in the Navy uh, is to be a fighter pilot. And so that's what I signed up to do uh, with, I got lucky enough to get a spot. And then with a bit of hard work, I was able also to be an F-18 pilot. So I did that for a while. Then in 2016, uh, the Navy moved me from Virginia to Mississippi to be an instructor pilot. And then I've been here uh, ever since I got off active duty about a year and a half ago. And I've got a job, my civilian job is uh, working as a maintenance test pilot. So when the, the jets break, um, and we, and we have to have somebody that goes and, um, you know, test them out to make sure that, uh, the mechanics put everything back together. Right. Well, that's my job. So, um, <laughs> had an interesting experience a, a couple days ago where I lost all my radios and uh, then I landed and the, uh, uh, and the brakes didn't work. So it's, uh, it keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Sounds like it. And, uh, of course, thank you for your service, but, uh, it's good to see you getting out there and, uh, be at the forefront of this race. You did mention, uh, the incumbent representative guests. And some of his uh, America last policies, one of the biggest ones that I've seen, huge red flag, is his continuously voting that has helped send $53 billion over to the uh, crisis in Ukraine. Um, let's talk about some of the different comparisons between you and him and, and, and how you're kind of looking at it right now from, uh, you know, things that people in Mississippi 3 really need right now, uh, contrastedly to the stuff that they're voting on in the Beltway. Yeah, so that really, that's one of the big issues is the $53 billion, uh, the two uh, bills that Congressman Guest voted on both of them to send uh, all this money to Ukraine when we've got inflation that's out of control, when we have $30 trillion worth of debt, when there's no oversight for this money. Uh, and you know that if Joe Biden were to come to Congress next week, 
and say, we need another 50 billion, then Michael Guess, just like so many of the rhinos in there, they would say, yes, let's do it. Even though our economy is collapsing, they would do it regardless. And they care more about, uh, they do not care about Americans and America above other countries. And that is the truly the, um, the, the power of the America First movement is that it just breaks it down very simple. America First politically, it means you care about America first and you care about Americans first. You don't care about the, uh, the profits of a, a multinational company to be able to ship jobs over, overseas. You care about the uh, having jobs in our country, about having people that can put food on the table in this country. And we have to get to a climate that is business friendly and uh, that we can bring back businesses, we can bring back, we can really revitalize a lot of our uh, manufacturing, a lot of our small towns and communities. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit it on the head right there. I think a lot of the, uh, you know, middle-class, hard-working, blue-collar families are really hurting in the wallet, whether it be the grocery store, the gas pump. Uh, you want to talk about some of the other things, uh, their kids' educations, you know, under attack right now, both with, you know, indoctrination and then some of the woke agenda that's being infused into the schools. Um, yeah, go ahead. The, the cultural, the uh, cultural Marxism is, uh, it started, you know, in America, I don't know if it started per se in the universities, but, um, certainly several decades ago, universities used to be a very conservative institution, but then somewhere around the wo- world war II, uh, they started becoming progressively more and more liberal and they are the, the factory of ideas in our culture. And it took over the, uh, the media. It's taken over so much of the government bureaucracy. It's even taken over the military. It's taken over uh, even um, children's education. We see it on a daily basis almost now. The uh, trying to teach kids that boys can be girls and other things uh, like that. And it, it is not harmless. It is extremely harmful. And it's something that so many on the right have unfortunately been very complacent about. Yep. Uh, we call them rhinos and that Mr. Guest, my opponent, he's one of those rhinos that he uh, he's content to just be a congressman, just go to the cocktail parties and, you know, if he had not even vote, he's missed, I think, 40 percent of the votes in the last three months. Um, and we need people that are going to fight. And that's why I got the most votes is because people saw that I was going to be a fighter to stand up against the culture of Marxism that has taken over our nation. Yeah. It's the hard work that you put in in such a short amount of time, Michael, has just absolutely been amazing to see. I think you're one of the uh, races that is starting to garner national attention, even though it's a, it's a, it's a local house race. And it's one that I think a lot of people have missed the ball on, Uh, you know, covering this, how you kind of came out of nowhere and you're getting ready to uh, essentially primary, you know, a straight up rhino coming on this week. So, what I want to ask now is you're right up against crunch time. Uh, you're heading into the weekend. Today's Friday. And uh, the, the, the runoff election now is on, is on Tuesday. What's your schedule looking like over the weekend? So we've got we do have a week and a half. It's not the next week. It's the it is the following week. So uh, we're going to we have all sorts of volunteers uh, this time around. We had, we had a lot of volunteers the first time uh, and they were great. But when we had such a good showing on June 7th, that brought in so many more people because, like you said, uh, even though I was uh, and many of the people in my close team, we were pretty confident about what was going to happen on Election Day. A lot of people just they had said there's there's no no real shot. Um, and when people saw, hey, wait a second, he he's got a shot. And actually, we think he's going to win after June 7th. 
then that has brought in tons of people uh, to the campaign. And so we're going to have people that are going to be outdoor knocking, uh, even though we've got 100 degree uh, temperatures and it's not the dry heat. It is a very uh, humid, oppressive heat. We've got people out knocking on the doors. We've got people making phone calls. We've got people passing out literature. Uh, and we are full court press in getting uh, all undecided voters um, to a correct decision and then also motivating the people that are already in our camp to come out to the polls on June 28th. Yeah, it's, it's something that uh, you can't ask for enough of, which is which is what we want to be able to do, Mike. We want to be able to direct as much as our listenership, whether it be with campaign donations coming from outside of the state or some boots on the ground there in Mississippi. Can you direct our listenership to find you on uh, social media, your campaign website, any way to get in touch with you and some of the things you need them to be doing between now and June 20th? Certainly. So uh, yeah, June 28th is the election, but we certainly uh, need help with fundraising because uh, Kevin McCarthy and the uh, – uh, a lot of the swamp uh, have gotten into the race. They've put in uh, a few hundred thousand dollars of uh, attack ads against me. And we, you know, we, we just need more cash. So you can go to votecassidy.com. Uh, that's our website. You can donate on there or learn a little bit more about me. Also on Twitter, I'm at Vote Cassidy and then Michael Cassidy for Congress on Facebook. We're going to live link those in the show description today. And uh, you've got an amazing team working down there with you. I've been talking to Matt Brainerd, throughout the course of your campaign, he's, he's been backing you big time, and uh, we love him down here on the show. And uh, after June 28th, Mike, we're going to be looking to having you back. You're going to have some time between then and the general election in November. We'd like to get an update and then get even more people directed at you. Absolutely. Sounds good. Yeah, we appreciate you taking the time to come uh, join us today on the show. And uh, like I said, we'll be looking to have you back. Best of luck in the runoff on June 28th. This is the America First candidate for Mississippi 3 House seat, Michael Cassidy. Thanks for coming down on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you. All right. Joining us next on the show today, he's the President Trump-endorsed candidate for the U.S. Congress, Washington 4. Joining us for the first time, Lauren Culp. Thanks for coming down on Steak for Breakfast. I appreciate you guys having me on here. Thank you very much. It's our pleasure, sir. How's everything going with you? Going great. We are uh, uh, having an open season on rhinos here in Washington State. I'm sure you've heard, right? You guys guys got a couple good hunters, including yourself up there. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. I... uh, I've been at this a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, I ran for governor of Washington State back in uh, 2020. Yep. Um, received the most votes for any Republican gubernatorial candidate in Washington State history by uh, a long way, so by about 350,000 votes, more than any Republican's ever gotten. Uh, the grassroots is alive and well in Washington, and I'm going up against a, a rhino, uh, Dan Newhouse, who mm-hmm. voted to impeach President Trump and then turned right around and and doubled down and voted for the January 6th commission, which we're seeing play out right now. You know, Nancy's uh, little political theater that she's got going on. It sounds like so he's a, he's a big fan of America last policies and uh, yes. And and legislation to say the least. So we know about your popularity from your run for the governorship in, in 2020. Now, I'm sure the people, the constituents of your district in Washington four had to be really enthused to see you get out there and, uh, you know, uh, decide to get into this race for for the House seat. How has the uh, campaign trail been, and, and, and what's it looking like right now, the demographic out there of uh, what, what's really the needs of the people in your district? Yeah, the, the campaign's going uh, really well. This is the the most conservative district in Washington State. I'm right in the middle of the state. Uh, the um, It goes from Canada down to Oregon, right? A strip right in the center. So it's very rural, the most conservative district, and uh, people are sick and tired of um, Dan Newhouse being in there. You know, he he votes probably 40 to 50 percent of the time. 
with Nancy Pelosi uh, on spending bills, uh, red flag laws he's voted for, you know, even though he touts himself as a, a real conservative, but he is not. You know, he, he votes for big spending bills all the time. Yep. <clears throat> so it's going very well. I'm six points ahead of him um, in this race, and I have been since December. There's been two polls that came out. And uh, so I'm leading in this race. There are uh, about five or six other Republicans, so-called, in this race. Um, that, I mean, I, I look at them just as spoilers. You sure. know, the, the mainstream supports them, and uh, which, I mean, they call themselves America first. They say that they're for America first. They support President Trump. But when President Trump endorsed my campaign, <clears throat> uh, to them, it's like, oh, no big deal. We're going to stay in this race. So th- they'll pull some votes from me, but uh, they're they're pulling in the single digits right now. And uh, we're going to win this race. Yeah, that's one of those things. That you, you know when people say they're going to run on some kind of an America First platform, and then you see them not get behind the candidate that gets endorsed by pretty much the kingmaker of the party, uh, what their intentions are, whether it's coming out from – you know, the Beltway up in D.C. or, you know, it's more locally established and they're just trying to sabotage your campaign because they know of the, uh, you know, what exactly you're bringing to the table. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate to see. We've talked to several other candidates who said, like, listen, behind closed doors, we all agreed. Who's ever going to get behind the person's going to be the person. We're all just going to do it. Some of them have even signed, you know, paperwork to suggest that they would uh, be doing that as well. And then they just turn out not doing it. So, yeah. Yeah. The same thing happened in Joe Kent's race um, over in the third district. You know, the other candidates uh, said on camera that, that they'll get out, get out of the way if President Trump endorses somebody, but uh, they're not. But, um, you know, and even the, the other candidates, uh, almost every one of them that I'm running against, um, spent thousands of dollars going to Trump events, going to Mar-a-Lago, going to Trump rallies around the country, um, trying to rub elbows with people, trying to get President Trump's endorsement, you know, spent thousands and uh, I did not chase President Trump's endorsement. Um, I wanted it for sure. But I, I told my campaign, I said, President Trump's a smart man. You know, he will see what we did in 2020. He will see the grassroots movement here in Washington. He'll know what I stand for. You know, not only did I run for governor in 2020, but back in 2018, um, I stood up against, I was a chief of police in a small town of, called Republic, Washington. And I stood up against an anti-gun law. And I said that it, I will not enforce it in my jurisdiction because it violates citizens' constitutional rights. And I swore an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution. I will not enforce it. You know, put a big middle finger in the face of the current governor and the attorney general for Washington, which is very, very liberal. I like that. Um, and, uh, you know, that got me national attention. I was on Tucker and Fox and Friends and, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of other interviews nationwide. Uh, but that's that's what got this ball rolling of getting me into politics and then having citizens ask me to run against this far left liberal governor uh, got me into politics. So whether they get out of the way or not, which it appears they're not going to, um, we will win this election. We will take on Dan Newhouse. And, you know, th- there's a possibility because this race, uh, we've got also got a Democrat. You know, Washington state is a jungle primary. Yep which means anybody, the top two people in the primary go on to the general. So it doesn't matter if it's two Republicans or a Democrat and Republican or two Democrats. But Dan Newhouse currently is barely beating the Democrat that's running. So it could possibly be myself and a Democrat going into the general. Yeah, it'd be pretty interesting to see uh, 
you know, how, how a sitting uh, congressman doesn't even make it through the jungle primary just based off of the fact that his views and, and, and voting record isn't really something that's catching a whole lot of traction with the people out there. It makes it sound like, uh, you know, you've got yourself pretty dialed in on the polls. I think uh, how dis- disappointing is it to see some of your potentially future coworkers right now, most namely the ones in the House and then the 10-ish Senate Republicans who are getting behind this uh, gun control legislation right now? Yeah, it, it's disheartening to see people who call themselves Republicans uh, do things like that, but they don't have a backbone. You know, they, they don't they're not fighters. We need fighters in Congress, you know, like Jim Jordan and Lauren Boebert yeah. and Matt Gates, And that that's who I am. I'm not afraid to stand up against the establishment. I'm not afraid to fight. I'm not afraid to stand up against the Democrats because the status quo sucks. And we've been dealing with the status quo for far too long in this country. And we need to get back to to our founding. We need to get back to constitutional principles. We need to have a government that actually follows the Constitution, right? That's that's an employee manual for <laughs> elected public servants. It tells them what the government can and can't do. And, you know, the, the 10th Amendment kind of tops that off. And it, it says that whatever's not written in the Constitution for the federal government to do, it's left up to the states and the people. And to me, that's very clear. If, if the Constitution doesn't give the the uh, federal government authority to do something, then they can't do it, period. Sure. So no, I don't I don't quit fighting and I, I don't mind standing up and and uh, having people throw darts at me. No, it's it, it make you make a lot of sense. And it seems like if there's one of the things that listen, there's a lot of things in Washington, D.C. right now going on that, you know, our elected officials have lost their way on over the past a little bit more than half decade now. And it's just so out there at the forefront uh it's really refreshing to see candidates like yourself getting in there and uh you know going back to promoting some of those actual constitutional values that you take an oath to on the the day you're sworn in to serve your country now uh what do you have going on between now and the uh august 2nd primary well actually tonight uh we've got a rally Uh, when i ran for governor in 2020 we did uh trump style rallies all across washington state had thousands of people coming out to them you know live band food trucks the the whole thing. We nice. have uh, down ballot candidates that come on my stage to speak, real conservatives. Um, and then to end the night, I get up on stage and I speak. And then I have a meet and greet after that. But tonight we have one right here in Moses Lake, Washington, um, starting at six o'clock. Oh, and we, we've got more scheduled. Oh, that's great. It's good to hear. Are you guys going to have any more, you think, forums or anything like that before the primary? Um, I, I doubt it. You know, as far as other candidates forums you're talking about. I, I won't go to any more of them. Um, nobody comes and shows up when I'm not there. So I'm not going to give them the stage or the, the voice. You know, if, if I go to these candidate forums with these guys that are pulling in single digits, um, it just, it does nothing to help my campaign. It just gives them a bigger audience to talk to. Sure. And um, they can just figure it out on their own. Yeah. They try to, I'm not going out to, to talk to we, the people um, at our own events. You know what, talking to a lot of candidates throughout the country uh, during the course of this election season, it seems like the ground game is the most key component to, uh, you know, securing a success on Election Day. And uh, I agree with what you're saying in regards to that. Maybe if it was uh, not a jungle primary and you versus the Democrat or or something of that right. nature, it'd be different. But uh, all they're looking for is to catch you in like a short soundbite that they can parlay into social media and, 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 and marketing campaigns. So probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense there. But uh 
Yeah, it sounds like you've got everything pretty much under control. It's just pretty, uh, what, pedal to the floor between now and August 2nd. So, Lauren, what we want to do is be able to direct a lot of our listenership, both in-state and abroad across the country, to uh, support your campaign, whether it be boots on the ground or monetarily. So if you give us your campaign website and uh, social medias, we'll lock them in the show description today and uh, crank it out for you. Yeah, my website is culpforcongress.com, and uh, I'm on uh, Facebook, Twitter, at Lauren Culp, and so people can uh, reach out to me there, and we would appreciate all, all the support that people can give. You know, even 5 or $10, it adds up quickly. Yeah, it sure does, and uh, like I said, after that primary, you're going to have a brief moment to catch your breath before you uh, get ready to really gear it up for November, but uh, we'll look to have you back with an update between sometime after August 2nd and uh, the November elections. All right. Sounds great. I appreciate you guys. And we appreciate you. This is the Trump endorsed candidate running in Washington for Lauren Cole. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Take care. Have a great day. All right. Coming back with a little bit of the news, but first let's get some updates from our in-studio guest today. Rick Soup, what have you been up to lately? We've seen you, uh, well, you've been on the road to recovery a little bit as of late. Before that, you were pretty active on the campaign trail. What's, uh, what's the news with you? Yeah. Um, well, I have been trying to make it to all the rallies that I can make. I mean, everybody knows that the cost of travel has gone up. It's, it's crazy. Sure. Back in 2020 when I was hitting rallies, you know, I could go to a rally in another state, $600. That was it. That was the whole rally. Airfare, hotel, rent a car, all of it. Yeah. Can't touch that right now. Mm-mm. So I've been really involved in Arizona politics. Next door neighbor. I'm, I'm, I'm a California resident and really excited about Arizona's politics. And they've just got a, just a phenomenal America First crew running for all sorts of offices over there, from Kerry Lake to Blake Masters, uh, Mark Fincham, just a whole host of people over there, just fantastic. So I've been, I've been actually spending you know time in Arizona when I can get there. And, and what you were alluding to, I, the last six weeks specifically, I've been laying face down for five of those after having an eye injury in Zion. I had surgery to correct a partially deteriorated retina. Mm. It's gone very well. Um, the healing is a lot slower than I would have liked it to have been, but you know, prognosis is excellent. Hmm. That's good to hear that you're doing better. And then, you know, you, you touched on those Arizona candidates. I think we've had just about all of them on Carrie Lake's a reoccurring guest on this show. She likes to come on at least once a month. And, uh, we've hosted Mark Fincham. Uh, we've had Abe Hamaday who just got a Trump endorsement last week. I Correct. think that would be a, yeah. a big one, two, three punch there in Arizona. Of course, Blake Masters has been on several times. He's coming back on next Friday. Uh, so we're looking forward to having him on again. And, uh, you know, for something that they call a battleground and maybe even a purple state, it looks like they're uh, correcting their own course organically there. Yes. It's going to be extremely red, I feel, after these uh, midterm elections and moving forward. They're going to be able to take care of their own business instead of some of the stuff we saw back in the 2020 presidential election uh, cycle. Yeah, and the thing I'm excited about them for Arizona is I believe that, you know, on one, on one side of the country, you've got Florida providing a template for how states can run themselves. Mm-hmm. I think Arizona is going to provide another template. I believe Carrie Lake is going to be much more, if you can imagine somebody even more insistent on states' rights than Ron DeSantis, that's Carrie Lake. Yeah. She's going to take unilateral efforts that benefit her state in a way that nobody else is going to do. I mean, she's basically, you know, that's the Tenth, the tenth Amendment. Yep. The rights not for the, for the federal government are reserved to the people or the states. And, and she's going to use those to full advantage. She's going to start work on the wall. She's got a lot of, a lot of programs, she's just not going to wait for the federal government to come in and save everybody's butt. She's going to get out there and start it going herself. No, I agree. It, uh, it's going to be interesting to see someone to the right of Ron DeSantis get into uh, 
a governor's seat and, and really start resetting the standard that he's kind of been doing for the last couple of years there. Uh, it should be interesting, but, but in it, you know, for, for the movement and everything that's going on right now, the, the geopolitical shift in this country, I think it's, it's for the best. Uh, we definitely need it. You know, the best thing about Carrie Lake and having her on so many times is that we start to get past some of the major campaign stumping points. Like last time she did, really a deep dive on, on the homeless epidemic and then the opioid crisis that they're having in Arizona. Two things that aren't necessarily at the top of her campaign platforms. No. But when you listen to her talk about it, she's so passionate about these things. And she's had real-life instances that have, you know, dramatically affected her family. And it, it's one of those things to kind of hear her heart on that. And uh, you're getting so much more than you would with just a regular typical politician. Uh, when you talk about people like Carrie Lake and a lot of the other down ballot people who are running in that state as well. Sublime, what's been up with you? Uh, you know, it's been a while since you've been on the show, but now you're in studio. Uh, that would require some sort of travel or move. You want to give our listenership a little update? What's going on with you? Yeah, I did move from uh, one really blue state to another really blue state. <laughs> Sorry. So I don't know what's wrong with me, but I did it. And um, yeah, I'd say it's really good to be in studio with you guys. And, you know, we're just still kicking the tires on all of the uh, social media stuff that we got going on. Um, I did lose my Twitter account uh, not too long ago. First time ever mm. uh, losing it and not getting it back. Yeah. So um, somebody saw us as a threat, and we also lost Discord, our Discord server of That's almost 5,000 people. Yep. Wow. One of the best wow. Discord servers that was out there for no idea why. Um, there was no reason whatsoever that they got rid of it. Um, but... We're going to rebuild. Uh, we're on Gilded right now. We had our backup set up in place. It's there. We're kicking. And then uh, we're going to be back in other places. We're on Reddit. Um, so it's just a matter of getting out there and being a voice of reason for people who aren't indoctrinated yet. Yep. In a place where they wouldn't expect it. And it, it's really a, a good thing to be there. You guys are both doing the Lord's work. I tell you what, you know, whether it's boots on the ground and working directly with campaigns, traveling all over the country and supporting these candidates, bringing it, uh, light and attention to the things they're doing, and then all the online stuff that you do, Sublime. It's, uh, you know, you, you don't take enough credit for how much influence and, 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 you know, energy you brought to this movement from the first time Donald Trump ran. And uh, based off some of the things you've told me offline, it looks like you're getting ready to completely revamp and uh, get right back in the game you know, into these midterm elections and then moving on to 2024. So it's great to have you guys both in studio. We don't get enough in-studio guests. Uh, my in-studio guest usually is Noah, and I'm his. <laughs> yes. Sometimes Dusty's here. Well, thank you for the invitation. Yeah, yeah anytime. You guys are welcome anytime. You know, you're both local. Anytime we're recording shows, if you hear anybody that's coming on that uh, tickles your fancy, just shoot me a text and you guys can come in that day. Sure. I think I'll be doing that. Perfect. <laughs> there right. you go. Yeah, it works for us. Um, so... You know, one of the biggest things that's affecting the country right now is the, is the, is the gas shortage. Uh, we're depleting the strategic reserves. Uh, I, I hear we're getting ready to tap into, if we already haven't and just haven't announced it yet, the diesel reserves as well. Um, Joe Biden's getting ready to head over to Saudi Arabia and, and beg the royal family there to start producing more oil, all while continuing to cut uh, for regulatory purposes and then in accordance with the with the green energy policies, all this stuff here where we sit on some of the biggest, you know, oil reserves and natural gas reserves in the world. Um, they keep circling back to some of the same talking points, but at the same day continue to contradict themselves with the legislation they're rolling out there. Um, speaking of contradicting herself, well, KGP, I don't know if you heard, she's already had to have a Wrangler come in. This is, uh, you know, breaking news in the last two weeks. So John Kirby, who was the Pentagon spokesman, um, former Susan Rice staffer, is now the assistant press secretary 
Er. And is joining her in the White House press pool every day to kind of back her up and kind of coach her through things because he's been in the game a little bit longer than she has. It's like a tag team? I guess. I mean, it just, it's just, it's kind of ironic that during... But I thought she was fully qualified on the basis of her sexuality and ethnicity. Yeah. Right. That is true. She is the first black gay woman to hold that position. And no, you, she can't see a woman, though. I didn't know she was gay. How dare me? Yeah, she is. She, oh, she, yeah. she dates a CNN uh, analyst. Shit. Well, weird. Yeah, so weird. Menstruating person. Mm. I believe she's also an immigrant too. Yeah, I mean, uh, she's checking all the boxes, so all she should be fully qualified. Boxes. And in the in the in the height of Pride Month, she was uh, moved over to the side for someone that speaks a little bit more experiencedly. Uh, John Kirby was asked and then taken to task by Peter Ducey about you know some of the things uh, coming up for for the Biden regime, including that trip to Saudi Arabia. And uh, let's hear him go back and forth on it. How is it that you guys have determined that it's in the U.S. national security interest to ask Saudi Arabia to drill more oil uh, instead of just letting oil companies drill more here in the U.S.? Well, I think you know, uh, Peter, there's uh, some 9,000 unused drilling permits here in the United States uh, as well. Um, Look, um, uh, the the oil production issue is a global issue, Uh, and OPEC plus three has already increased preset increases by more than 50% just for July and, uh, and August. Uh, and we're grateful to Saudi Arabia's leadership on that. But we've never said that, uh, we've never said it's a national security interest that somebody has to pump more oil. Uh, and again, there's there's unused permits here in the United States. Uh, and But as a national strategic issue then, uh, how is it in the, uh, how much lower can we let the strategic petroleum reserves get before that becomes a problem? I, I think I would uh, refer to the president's uh, energy advisors on something like that, Peter. I, I, I don't, uh, I don't know what the inventory is, but I do, you know, remind, and I think you know this, the president did uh, tap into the strategic oil, oil reserves to try to relieve some of the pressure at, at the pump, um, and he'll use a range of, of tools available to him going forward. I think that's about the best I can do on that. Yeah, <clears throat> including and not surpassing continuing gas prices through the roof. Yeah, we're going to keep uh, tapping into the strategic uh, reserves until uh, some country's ready to attack us. And now, then... Of course, President Trump, when he was in office, did pr- force some legislation to fill those reserves at a yeah. time when oil was at a, an all-time low. I think it was somewhere, I can't remember exactly the figures, about either $10 billion or $14 billion. One of those two has come to mind here. But to actually fill it all up, and of course, that was never passed. So mm-hmm. they went into the next administration with those reserves not as full as they could have been. And now we're tapping into them. Bigly. Strategically. Did, did he pull a non-redhead circle back move in the middle of that? <laughs> he kind of did. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's interesting right now. I, Obviously, I'm not a oilologist. How dare you? <laughs> well, you don't have to be an oilologist to, to figure out what... I mean, the whole failure here is, okay, the Biden administration is going to run on a platform of ending fossil fuels promising that all over the place, going to bring in green energy, going to no more drilling, no more, no more fracking. Day one, canceling pipelines. Mm -hmm. You're doing all this. Okay. And now you're going to the oil companies and saying, Hey, we need you to make more gasoline. Well, if you're an oil company, that's just stupid. Why are you going to start investing in more capacity, more transport, more drilling when you know that the government in power has already got it out to just completely obliterate your industry, take you off the board and tax you even more in the interim before that date comes up. Yep. So you've got, you've got oil companies acting as rational entities saying, 
well, I'm not going to build another refinery because, you know, in five years, you're just going to outlaw gasoline. Yep. What, what, what promise do I have of getting any return on my investment? The answer is zero. And now they have to beg for you to make gasoline. And so for people saying that it's, you know, the oil company is putting a squeeze on the public, that's not exactly it. I mean, it's just the entire market is disrupted by the stated goal of Biden and his handlers to dismantle the fossil fuel industry. And just the, the main thing is, if you want to go and do all this green energy stuff, that's fine. But you have to make sure that we are self-sufficient prior to doing that. Like 100%. if we're 100% good to go, our oil reserves are full, uh, our, pri- our prices are low, we have people pumping you know, through pipelines, get natural gas, oil, what have you. Safely. That's safely. Mm-hmm. Then you can start working on these pet projects. But until you are sustainable on your own, and just basically untouchable by the rest of the world, it's asinine to do what they're doing right now. I heard some great numbers the other day. You know I'm a numbers guy, and it's in regards to some of this green energy bullshit that they keep trying to push on us. So I guess the whole EV system that, uh, you know, they're always trying to go get yourself a Tesla and it'll take care of itself. (laughs) 88% of the EV system is, is backed by fossil fuels. Yeah. And in the last 25 years, the carbon reduction because of green energy policies, even at the height of like this administration right now where they're pushing some of the most radical ones, less than 14% effective <laughs> in regards to the big scheme of things. So they're literally changing nothing while completely ruining like one of the biggest components in the history of this country, which is the energy sector. Well, and that's the other, the other side of that coin is us being self-sufficient and doing these pet projects to be more green, but... It, what we do is completely invalidated by these other countries who are just going buck wild with like China, Canadian, India, Pakistan, Pakistan. They're like, I mean, that, you think smog in LA is bad. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Did you guys, did you guys see that video? Um, I'm not sure. Oh, of the polluted water, water, waterways in China and all that stuff. <laughs> no. <laughs> Rowan mentioned Tesla. So this guy's Tesla broke down because he ran out oh, of yeah. power. Oh, yeah. Oh, he had a generator in the trunk? And then he, he, yeah, gas-powered generator. And some dude that pulled over was video recording him. And he's like, do you see the, like, the retardedness of this? Yeah, absolutely. It's sublime. Welcome to California, of course. Yeah. You have $7 not, a gallon gas. You have not experienced your first brownout here yet. Oh, no, they're you? coming. Not yet. Yeah. All right. So only, California. Only when it's hottest. Yeah. yeah and that's Cal- not just a pride month thing. August. <laughs> They've got the notices out not to charge your electric cars. And at the same time, they're considering legislation on the books to outlaw the sale of any gasoline-powered automobiles after 2035. And you yeah. know California is mm-hmm. not going to build enough power plants between now and 2035 to, to power all these electric vehicles that they want. I mean, we're trying to shut down nuclear plants. Yep. Diablo Canyon here Which are in clean. California, mm-hmm. of course, and it's, and that's seven percent of the na- of California's power supply, and it's already built. Mm-hmm. So you know, the, all the carbon that it was going to use is already made. So there's nothing new. You know, there's nothing reduction about stopping it from being in use. Yeah. So you know, California is just saying one thing. It's like it's like magic beans. Yeah. It's just it is not going to happen. <laughs> That's perfect. And they've already put the narrative out there about horses and oxen. You mm-hmm. can't use those anymore because they fart and you know. Well, Bill Gates screw up the apparently killing them all in Iowa. So yeah, that was uh, interesting. Oklahoma, to see Oklahoma right? Or, so yeah, Kansas, Oklahoma on the on the ten thousand of those suckers. Yeah, the cattle. That was wild. Yeah, on the Tesla thing. So I was up in LA uh, scavenging some car parts this last week, and. 
I went to an In-N-Out and I was sitting there eating my burger in the parking lot. And I look over and there's a bunch of Tesla charging stations or whatever. And I literally saw a Tesla traffic jam where a bunch of people, there's, there was literally seven Teslas waiting to charge. And like, they would get all angry and like, you know, and like, you know, <laughs> queef <laughs> off. They'd queef off as yeah. fast as they could. It was just amazing. It's like, and that's the thing. It's like, if everybody would just buy one, we'd be, where are you going to fucking charge it? Yeah. There's no, yeah. There, I mean, the infrastructure and there's nowhere to charge all these things. I, I, even in my place where I live here, it's a community. There are a few chargers and yeah, I've seen my neighbors fight with them all, with others all the time that have, um. Three hours of, of waiting <laughs> after 300 miles. It's just nonsense. Well, and then what if you have to go on like a long trip or something like that? Absolutely. And then you're. Well, you're Tesla at, maps that out for you to make sure that you can get from point A to point B and where you have to stop. But until you're going to stop your charging abilities. Yeah. Yeah. But when you stop in the middle of the nowhere and the diesel generator that's charging your fucking power supply <laughs> goes yeah. out or somebody else is, you know, parked their Tesla to charge and wandered off into the hills, you're just SOL. Yep. Yeah. And it's, and it's not, don't get me wrong. I'm not against electric vehicles. Oh, I'd no. like to have one. Well, That'd be great. Like every other technology, the key here is to rely on the market to find the re rely on the marketplace exactly. to determine how fast the product is going to be integrated into real society. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who just don't really drive that much. An electric vehicle they can charge at home is perfect for them. Yeah. There are a lot of people that that is not the solution. Yep. And so coming in as California and saying no more gasoline cars after 2035 is just absurd. I don't think they're going to like my land yacht out in the driveway. No, <laughs> they, they, won't, they sure won't when that thing gets finished. Go to the military auction and get some uh, armored Humvees. There you go. <laughs> Pretty dirt cheap. Get a right deuce now. and a half that runs on anything. <laughs> no, he used to build scouts. Oh, nice. Yeah. So John Kirby directed Peter Ducey to the energy department, and the energy secretary jumped on with uh, fake news this morning, the CNN show, yesterday, uh, to talk about some of the issues that are affecting the energy industry right now. Her commentary is, is, is pretty astonishing. I want you guys to hear this clip. Five years from now, 10 years from now, are you telling me you want them drilling for more oil? You want the refineries putting out more gasoline in five or 10 years? What we're saying is today we need that supply increased. Of course, in five or 10 years, actually in, in the immediate, we are also pressing on the accelerator, if you will, to move toward clean energy so that we don't have to be under the thumb of petrodictators like go Putin or at the whim of the volatility of fossil fuels. Ultimately, America will be most secure when we can rely <laughs> upon our own clean domestic production of energy. But that's the problem solar, for these companies. Wind, these companies are saying, you know, you're asking me to do more now, invest more now, when in fact, five or 10 years from now, we don't think that demand will be there and the administration doesn't even necessarily want it to be there. Just one last question on Saudi Arabia. The president is going to Saudi Arabia where we understand he will be meeting with the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Is mm. there any kind of promise beforehand for a sword dance that the Saudis will no. increase production? <laughs> no, no, there's no promise beforehand. <laughs> no. no, no, there's not. And let me just say, John, uh. I'm John, I mean, we're, we really want to see us move to clean energy, but we also need to see this increase right now. And we are asking the oil and gas companies as well to diversify and make sure that part of that they become diversified energy companies to be able to produce other means of clean energy because they have huge deep pockets. They have a big ability to invest in the future as well as investing right now so that we don't see oil and gas causing the inflation numbers and people being hurt every day. So pump oil faster, 
but at the same time, get ready to shut but, down. But also don't. Years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that guy asked some pretty good questions about refining capacity. I thought he was right on the mark there. Yeah, for once. <laughs> the journalist doing his job. When they talk about, oh, we need to have this infrastructure for the green energy to be self-sufficient. It's like, yeah, we should have done that with the other stuff first. Right. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where we're just going to have to keep an eye on this because the real play here, I mean, the push for more oil into the economy is just for midterm election numbers only. Correct. They want to be able to drive that gas price down to show that, that you know, there's true leadership in the White House. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, what's victory for them? I mean, it's not going to get back to 2020 levels. No, I mean, are, are people going to be happy if it's down to $5 a gallon nationwide? I mean, I, I don't. Well, they're going to get people so shell-shocked with high prices that $5 a gallon is not going to seem bad. Are they gonna... Meanwhile, California refuses to take take away any of the gas taxes, which equal what forty, almost fifty cents. Right. Are they that gonna... would be huge. Are they going to take Obama out of the uh, the closet to tell everybody this is a new normal again? Uh, I mean, oh. Is he going to have to use that line? <laughs> We're going to have to uh, open the gas cap, and you're going to take this tube, and you're going <laughs> to siphon out of your neighbor's car. Hmm. Which is actually happening. You don't want to swallow the gas. It's a bad idea. Don't swallow the gas. That was a great impression, but you didn't say the word I like five times. I? Yeah. I personally do not siphon gas. <laughs> I have someone siphon it for me. Michael. <laughs> I just can't. I mean, it's just ridiculous. The, the, the place we've ended up from where we were. Yeah. yeah. And it's not just energy. I mean, let's look at the general incompetence of the entire administration. You've got Yellen saying, Secretary of Treasury admitting that they just didn't foresee that this would happen, that she didn't think that there would be this kind of inflation. They just don't know what's going on because fundamentally they're not, in a, they're not an administration in which competent people have been put into place. People have been put into place on the basis of external characteristics, and they're just not doing the job. Yep. I mean, we don't have the A team working for America. I'm not even sure we have the C minus team. No, they were 100% right there. Um, just when you look at some of these, tra- I mean, just look at the stuff that's gone on with Janet Yellen in the last couple of weeks. I mean, she's done everything to be impeached, fired, you name it. And it looks like she's just going to kind of double down on, on these ludicrous policies that this administration is trying to pump out here. And at the end of the day, until we hit the midterm elections and the, the agenda is officially stopped and then maybe start opening up some uh, investigations in this, to, to the reasons behind some of these proposals, uh, we're not going to get any accountability from them. It doesn't seem like, you know, more people than, than not would have stepped away after, I mean, the massive inflation that we're getting hit with right now nationally. And, uh, you know, Janet Yellen kind of doubled down last week and not even taking responsibility for it whatsoever. It's Putin's price hike, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's still uh, all Putin's fault, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, last I checked. They literally have just one job. One job. And they can't do it. Nope. Well, Joe Biden, we know we're not getting it there. <laughs> so, well, Peter Ducey, uh was back in the press pool this week, and he was talking to... Uh, Korean Jean Pierre about some of these issues regarding the uh, energy crisis and, and the gas shortages. Um, kind of got under her skin a little bit with uh, you know some of these questions, but you'll be safe to say she did 
resort back to bullet points on who to blame. Yeah, and so I know the president once said that he was going to end fossil fuel. Is that now off the table? No, we are going to continue uh, to move forward with our uh, clean energy uh, proposal, our climate change uh, and, and so proposal. Is that the, is that the priority? So here, climate I, I, change I, over gas. No, prices? that's not what we're saying. We're what saying we're saying that. President, We're saying I'm answering I'm answering the question is his priority I'm answering the question gas prices or is it addressing climate change First of all, we, it's, you can do both Damn. at the same time. What we're trying to deal for, what we're trying to uh, deal with right now is how do we lower cost for American families? And one of the things that we are seeing currently right now with oil refineries is they are using this moment that there is a war in Ukraine to, to actually make a profit when they there are steps that they can take so that we can actually lower lower gases low gas prices for families and so the president has taken action right we talked about the strategic petroleum that he's done tapping into barrels how much is that lowered prices it, here's the thing here's the thing peter if we had if the president had not taken the actions that he's taken in the past several months it would not it, the prices that we see now would be a lot worse it's actually blunted uh, some of the increase uh, that could have been uh, and so the, the president has taken action. He has been a leader. Now he's asking Congress clearly to act in, in certain ways uh, uh, and also asking for the oil refineries to do their part and not make money off of a time of war. That's what we're talking about here. Go ahead, Peter. Hmm. Meaning you guys are making money? Yeah. Well, no, we're sending money in a time of war. Well, yeah, I mean, and it gets siphoned back into their, their pockets and their friends' pockets. Of course. It's hilarious. I'd like, I'd like to take a minimum of appreciation for Peter Ducey here, though. At least, you know, he's going, he's going for the throat here as, as best he can. I think he comes up with really good logical points that everybody can focus on. And he consistently asks questions that put the administration in a spot in the briefing room and exposes them at just how bad they are for, you know, how unable they are to respond. That being said, if we had reporters across the board in that briefing room working for all aspects of media that were of the caliber that we had in say the 70s mm -hmm. or the 80s this charade would be exposed in a week oh yeah. i mean we just they're just everybody's so used to getting softballs from the press they can't hand they can't handle simple easy questions like this well, they were they, given, they were getting the questions in advance before oh yeah they would be <laughs> crushed by the likes of the reporters that were in that room in, in the late 70s and 80s, crushed. Yeah, when there was some real investigative reporting going on and actual journalism, not now everybody just sits there and hopes to catch, like, a, you know, a hot talking point so they can right. turn it into, like, the preview for their evening news show. AP, AP still has one great reporter. I, his name is escaping me right now, but he works in the State Department. Oh, yeah, he, just, he, he was... He's fantastic. Yeah, we've played so many clips of that guy when... When, when uh, John Kirby would just try to, to push him off to the side and he'd be like, listen, I've been doing this for a lot longer than you have. And he'd like cross his leg and lean back in his chair and go off on like this long explanation. Like the answer that he should be giving him, he'd be telling him and be like, isn't this the case? And they'd be like, uh, you know, this <laughs> exactly is like, right. When I'm, when I'm talking about the caliber, you know, the quality reporters, there were people like him in the White House briefing room. Just you would just see. The, the ills of the Biden, quote, puppet administration expo exposed for everybody. Yeah. But instead, we're probably going to continue to get swatted, which is what I'm going to segue to now. Mm. Uh, sounds a little similar to something that was recently disbanded. 
um, and was headed by steak for breakfast social media blocker Nina Jankowitz. Um, Kamala Harris came out this week to talk about a new White House task force to combat online harassment and abuse. Oh, come on. They tried to parlay it into Pride Month, but it really sounds like something else we were talking about not too long ago. Let's hear Thank you so much for joining us today at the launch of the White House Task Force to address online harassment and abuse. To address? I'd like to thank Vice President Harris for launching the task force today, along with Attorney General Garland and Surgeon General Murthy. Hmm. I'd also like to thank Dr. Elizabeth Sherwood-Randall from the National Security Council for co-chairing the task force, as well as Bharat Ramamurthy from the National Economic Council, Dr. Alondra Nelson of the Office of Science and Technology Policy, and senior officials representing nine departments and agencies, all members of this task force, for being here. Earlier today, the President signed a presidential memorandum officially establishing this task force, advancing the Biden-Harris administration's commitment to prevent and address all forms of gender-based violence wherever it occurs. This task force will address the pervasive problem of online harassment and abuse, which disproportionately targets women, girls, and LGBTQI plus people. It will focus huh? on five broad areas. First, prevention. Second, services and support for survivors. Third, research to better understand the scope and impact of the problem. Fourth, accountability. And fifth, the connection between online harassment, hate, and extremist violence. Within 180 days, this task force will present recommendations in each of these areas, including policies and programs for the government, as well as private the private sector and civil society. At today's inaugural meeting, we'll hear from survivors, prosecutors, legal scholars, survivors? and victim advocates uh. who'll share their recommendations. So it sounds like the Ministry of Truth just gayer. Yeah. <laughs> the Ministry of Gay it, Truth. It's also crossed with the Ministry of Snowflakes. Yes. Uh, those right. who can't handle criticism as well. I mean, that's, uh, you know, who's to define what that type of harassment is? It can't just be like, I feel harassed. Exactly. I mean, that, that, if they're going to go for the subjective basis of, of an individual as the, as the definition, that's going to be a pretty low bar to cross. Well, it's going to be school board uh, members that are the ones getting harassed. Mm -hmm. And the terrorists, the extreme terrorists, are going to be the parents. They just yeah. defined us like that not too long ago. So you can see where this is going. And if they own firearms, there's that yeah. red flag red law flag. right oh, there. Say that. Oh, right. the umbrella. Way to tie it all together. Yeah. But at least with 180 days, they're not going to get anything back and in place that can be done before November. This is lip service from mm -hmm. this is lip service from yeah. the administration. This is this is something that I don't see really being, you know, going forward in any real way. It's their playbook, and they're trying to normalize it now yeah. for the next yeah, exactly. time they get it. That's what Joe Kent said when he was on the show. He said if they're out there so overtly, like creating branches of the Department of Homeland Security that are going to be like have the ability to censor and delete tweets and, and raid your home and take your guns. Like they've been doing something similar to this behind the scenes for a long time. And now they're just so comfortable with it. They want to begin to make everybody feel familiarized, you know, with it uh, in the public sector. So yeah, I thought it was kind of weird how they kind of snuck that one in there um, and, and then tied it to pride month. Uh, some of the reporters in the white house press pool were kind of confused with that. And then wanted to ask, uh, questions about this new board. Let's hear them kind of pepper KJP with some of it. This is the first time I've been able to ask you a question, so I'd like to ask you too, if that's all right. Um, 
She's like, yeah, we're moving first on. First is just a clarification on the new online policy task force that was set up that the vice president is leading, and then the second one about a significant press access issue that's impacting a lot of us in this room. Okay. Um, the first one on the online policy task force that the vice president's leading that's getting kicked off today. Mm -hmm. um, on a background call last night, we were told that it's going to be different from the disinformation governance board um, in that it's going to focus on illegal conduct online. Mm. But the memo creating it was a little bit broader and uh, mentioned, and I'm quoting from the document, uh, quote, online harassment, abuse, and disinformation campaigns ah, targeting is. women Perfect. and LGBTQI plus individuals who are public and political figures. Um, could you clear up the disinformation charge? Of so I would need to uh, talk to her team. I was not on the background call. Uh, so that data. specific um, uh, language that you're, you're providing to me, I would just have to check in with her. I would also encourage you to check, to check as well with her, her team. Um, I can't say more because I, I wasn't on the background call. Yeah. The, the press accent. Mm -hmm. Did she say who are public and political figures? Yes. Yeah, not, not the common everyday man. So, so, I mean, obviously there are things you can't say about, about you know, individuals at the highest level of right. office. But that sounds like a pretty blanket statement, and that's going to get struck down. I mean, there's this, this, you know, if that ever goes to SCOTUS, they're going to say you can't, you can't restrict First Amendment rights in advance that way to say you can't be critical of public and elected officials. No. and, and That's absurd. No one's promoting hate speech, but at the same time, it just seems like they've kind of taken the turd and put a little bit of lipstick on it mm. and have tried to roll it back out there in the form of this new, I mean, the guy even slipped and called it the wrong name and used disinformation in there. And I was like, Ooh, good for you, buddy. Right. It's probably the first and last question you'll be asking in the press pool, but, uh, <laughs> got him. Yeah. It's one of those things where I don't know to what ends this administration is going to keep going because you really see what it's like when, when a faction of government gets in there and, and for some reason they ran into the perfect storm of, the numbers and what they control right now, even though they haven't been able to pass anything. Thank God for some of those Democrats on the moderate side of the aisle who still have a soul. But yeah, um, absolutely, how much they absolutely hate us. Like, you know, Republican candidates for the last 30, 40 years have used, like, the destruction of the middle class as part of their, like, campaign platforms. But we're actually really seeing what it looks like. I mean, uh, Brixie, you've been out here in Southern California for, for a good portion of your entire life. You've never seen prices like this before, huh? No, no, not in gas, not in anything. And, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, California is not exactly an affordable place to live to begin with. And then within the state of California, San Diego is not necessarily, you know, specifically really inexpensive either. So, I mean, we feel it doubly here. I mean, obviously in San Francisco, prices are going to be higher. Yeah. There's other enclaves that will be even worse. But we're not that much better. And, you know, it, I think what you're talking about there, we're seeing all this stuff. It almost feels to me like the Democrats made a bunch of promises to the people who put them in power. And now they see the writing on the wall that come November, they're not going to be able to get crap done. So they are jettisoning every single project that they promised they would do and trying to get it out there. So at least they can say to those people who back them, Hey, we tried, you know, this is like, this is the difference between having Hillary Clinton has all of her backers and they've got all this stuff. And Hillary Clinton took all the money up front and said, when I get in, I'm going to do this. Well, they've already taken the money and now they want to try and do it. So they don't get caught on the back end, owing debts to their puppeteers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's one of those things right now where, uh, you know, so many people are, are suffering. I think, I don't know. We saw Myra Flores this week pull off an incredible uh, primary win in, in Texas 34 in, in a 
you know, in a, in a seat that's for, for what, 100 years had, had never held a Republican or ever. And uh, I, I think that's probably the most telling bellwether of them all so far. Um, Joe Biden won that district by over plus 10. And I know Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton both won that district by double digits as well. I think it was like 20 for them. Yeah. And, you know, to see it flip in, in 16 months like that, it's just uh, it's unprecedented. Um, but the groups that they virtue single and cater to right now are not getting back the regular returns. I mean, we're we're two years essentially out from the COVID relief checks. And, uh, you know, when you see all of these reporters out there right now who are doing like word on the street and they're going into like these really diverse urban areas and talking to the people, uh, you can't find people that aren't getting receipts that say like, do we really want Donald Trump back? Like didn't like him, but he knew how to take care of the people. And it's one of those things where if you're starting to lose so many independents, uh, like these polls are, are starting to foretell, um, I, I just think it's going to be a lot Worse, but better for us come November. I, I think we're looking at some unprecedented numbers in the uh, in the House and a lot of the seats under those. And when we get to the Senate, I think we'd have a pretty strong control, probably 53, 54 seats at the end of the day. So, and with a lot of candidates who are more nationalist, populist, America first vibes getting into some of those Senate seats um, in races where it would be like a Republican replacing a Republican like Eric Greitens and, and stuff like that. You know, they bring a lot to the table, and, uh, you know, they're really going to hold the party line. So, yeah, it's just interesting to see. I, I, th- I thought it was pretty good when, when, when I saw that, you know, get snuck in there at the end of the week, and I wanted to make sure our listenership heard that, uh, you know, even though we keep saying that the election is rigged and stolen, now you might have another opportunity to get swatted again if you continue to post it on social mm. media. So um, it's not just set up for people like Tim Pool. But yeah. uh, we'll keep tracking it and see what they, uh, how they develop a little bit as we move forward. All right, joining us next on the show today, one of our favorite senatorial guests running the great state of Oklahoma. He is a uh, pro-Trump candidate, so pastor, like I said, one of our favorites, Jackson Lamar. Thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on, and uh, it's a much better atmosphere for me than in the airport of Orlando as the last time I was with you all. Well, was, the yeah. fountain noise was nice. It was relaxing. The fountain behind me. That was yeah. a nice little ambiance, yeah. right? <laughs> much to the dismay of our listenership but no yeah you, you gotta get to cpac and i remember you were saying you were in and out it was like a surgical strike and uh looks like you're in a little bit more comfortable situation right now so thanks for coming back on the show sir absolutely thanks for having me all right how's everything going in this race right now so yeah i've talked to a lot of people in oklahoma some who do polling over the last couple of weeks and they said you've moved extremely close basically into what the margin of error is right now on in, in all of the polls that are coming out in our public uh you've ran an incredible america first campaign you've talked about the things that are super important which is like safety for families and, and just the family in general which i don't think enough candidates talk about and, and all the other things you got going on how's the campaign looking right now as you're getting ready to head into that primary well, you know, uh, I'm having a lot of fun. I've never done this before, so we don't really have a standard to judge it by other than uh, people tell me we're doing extremely well, and I can look at the polling that we have. I can look at the public polls. Uh, the last public poll that came out put James Langford, who is an incumbent senator, uh, who has spent over $4 million so far. He's at 46%. Uh, Lawmeyer at 41%, 12% break undecided. Mm. And uh, they're not undecided because they don't know who he is. They know exactly who he is. They just don't know who I am yet. We know from our internal polling that when undecideds learn who I am, nine out of ten, they break my way every single time. So we're right where we need to be. 
Uh, Langford cannot break 50%. Every poll we take, he cannot break 50%. And so uh, we're going to shock the world. You watch June 28th out of the state of Oklahoma. Uh, we're going to shock everybody. Yeah, I think you certainly are. It's one of those things where, well, you know, we don't try to give too much attention to, to the opponents, but we do want to be able to talk about the big differences. This guy is is literally a rhino, and he's running on of the highest order. Yeah, and, and running on one of the biggest establishment, you know, K Street Mafia campaigns right now in the entire country, and he's just begging everybody for his help. Unfortunately, you know, some of our people in the Beltway have come to his aid and, and supported him, but it hasn't reflected in the polls because. I think when people are just looking at the logistics of this thing, two, almost two years into the Biden administration, you can't say that Republicans are doing a good job of holding the line or pushing back or, or demanding investigations or opening up uh, lawsuits and stuff like that. And, and we're just not seeing it. What, what we do see is them jumping on gun control legislation, them funneling money, uh, you know, unmitigated to Ukraine and, and putting the American people in debt while they just struggle in every aspect of their life right now. Well, it's the most interesting thing. In 2016, when we were all chanting, drain the swamp, I thought that meant we're going to get rid of the Democrats. You know, that's what I thought draining the swamp meant. 2017, 2018, 2019, especially 2020, I discovered the swamp is not just full of Democrats, but Republicans. In fact, I would go as far to say the biggest problem we face right now in this country is not crazy, radical Democrats, but weak, corrupt spineless Republicans that enable and empower the crazy, radical Democrat agenda. We've got so many America last Republicans that in the midst of record inflation, gas prices that are surging like nobody's business, food and baby formula shortages, in the midst of all of that, we're sending $40 billion to a cesspool of corruption called Ukraine. It's unbelievable the America last leadership that we have on the Republican side. I'm not talking about the Democratic side. You know, that party has morphed into the pedocratic party. These people are obsessed with grooming children, and it's unbelievable what's happened on that side. But I'm talking about in our house, in the conservative Christian movement, we got to clean the house right here. We begin that in the primaries. That's, that's where it's done. It's done in the primaries. And uh, I'm in the state of Oklahoma, where the reddest state in the union, 77 of our 77 counties voted for Donald Trump in 2016, as well as 2020. I mean, this is conservative land out here. We've got to have a breakthrough. We've got to replace America last Langford with America first Lawmeyer. And I believe we're going to do that. You know, it's funny, Jackson, to hear you talk about that and, and how fast you've been able to really get a good grasp on, like, the way the politics are in the Beltway. It is not the radical progressive left AOC and all the other members of the squad are never proposing or getting legislation passed. You're never seeing Bernie Sanders come into the forefront of the party to lead like a bipartisan group to, to pass these major bills and send them up to the president's desk. You're talking about the people who vote on both sides of the aisle and the Republican party and the Democrat party, the people like Joe Manchin's and Lindsey Graham's yeah. and people like that. They're the ones that are holding this country back right now because it's their backroom dealings and, and special interests yep. that, that pretty much control them that are, that are letting the American people suffer right now and you've been able to identify that really well you've turned it into an amazing campaign and, and have rolled out an excellent ground game over the course of of, of this Thank primary you. season and um, what's up next on the campaign trail we, we do know you have the primary coming up here shortly but but what are some of the big things you got on your agenda moving forward yeah so we've got about 10 days to go starting on monday we'll be blasting the airwaves of fox news and then some of the local stations uh in the state of oklahoma so we'll hit our TV ads, our radio ads. We obviously continue, you know, over the last 15 months. I've been at this 15 months. 
we've had just huge, huge rallies. I'm talking about rallies where thousands of people turn out. And these are not free rallies. You pay to attend because I believe you got to be willing to put some skin in the game. Yeah. We can all gripe and complain about what's happening in the country. But if you're not willing to put some skin in the game, uh, you got no business griping and complaining. And to be quite frank, we don't want you at the rally. We want people who are invested. So we have thousands of people at our rallies. Uh, such, you know, we brought in General Michael Flynn several times, uh, Sebastian Gorka, Roger Stone, who runs the campaign. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I brought in America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. We had a great time together. And so we're going to continue with our bread and butter, and that is rallies. And we've got some exciting things that have been coming up before uh, June the 28th. And so now it's just really uh, the ground game that we have built. You know, we have a county chair in all 77 counties. We have volunteer teams in all 77 counties. And they're hitting the doors, and they're doing it. You know, we're, it's, it's just a huge apparatus. It's the entire state. Uh, but we have built the foundation to pull this thing off, and uh, we're right where we need to be. Yeah, it sounds like you're very extremely confident going in, you should for all the hard work you've done. Brick, so you're keeping an eye on a lot of these senatorial races, especially the America First ones out there over, you know, throughout the country right now. What, what, what do you have to say when you take a look at this from the outside end of the campaign that he's rolled in there and, uh, you know, how close he's been able to come down in the polls as we're getting into crunch time against someone who's, you know, basically embodies the establishment with an, with an absolutely grassroots campaign. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a dynamic that's that's been playing for you know been playing forward in the past. It's continuing to happen, and they just get underestimated. The, the consultants there are just discounting populist support and what it's capable of doing, and the people instead are finding out that they have a voice, and it's not just for their school boards and their local elections where it's important, but it's also statewide. It's also national elections. And I think that we're really beginning to see a lot of support for America First candidates that, that transcends state borders. I mean, it, as Kyle Rittenhouse taught us, it's okay to cross state lines. <laughs> I like that. So, so I know that Carrie Lake gets a lot of support from outside of Arizona. Yeah, we are. I know that um, Herschel Walker gets a lot of support from outside of Georgia. So if you identify yourself publicly as an America First candidate and people get wind of that, they are looking to put some, you know, put something in your sales there to keep you going. And I think that that's, that's I think, that what they're missing when they're looking, when the consultants are looking at this, they're looking at this as a Petri dish of one state, and that's all it is, but it's not. The yeah, rest of the country good. who wants to support is going to pile in. Yeah, it certainly does. And, and, and Jackson, that's the next thing I, I want to touch on. We want to be able to get as much listenership, you know, in, in this very crucial time for your campaign in, whether it's boots on the ground in Oklahoma or monetary donations coming in from everywhere across the country. You know, we've, we've really encouraged our listenership over the course of the last year and a half not to donate to the establishment GOP anymore, the RNC, Ron McDaniel. Don't just send those $25, $50 donations to get your little plastic card once a year to, to up into the beltway anymore. Find candidates that identify you without the country, even if they're not living in your district or even your state, yeah. and send money there to help them get over the finish line. So where could, what, could, what could we do in regards to helping you out now in the next 10 days? Well, so there's three T's. So there's the aspect of time, talent, and then treasure. So obviously those that are here in the state of Oklahoma, we need them boots on the ground. This is where you're texting friends and family members saying, hey, June the 28th, I need you to get out and vote. you got a choice between two JLs. Pick the right JL. His name is Jackson Lawmeyer. So that's boots on the ground uh, here in Oklahoma. But people across the country, you know, a U.S. senator does not just impact the state he or she represents. A U.S. senator impacts the entire United States of America. And so people can go to my website, which is jacklaw, J-A-C-K-L-A-W dot U-S. 
jacklaw.us will redirect them to jacksonlawmeyer.com because nobody can spell Lawmeyer. It was a lot easier just to go with jacklaw.us. They can go there. A donation of any size, that helps us get across the finish line. I mean, it really does. It takes money uh, to run a campaign. We've had over 10,000 individual donors. Nobody saw that coming. Uh, we've taken no PAC money, no lobbyist money. This is 100% grassroots effort which is what's so uh, encouraging about it is how many people were willing to put their money where their mouth really is. You know, it's so easy to complain. It's so easy to gripe. Uh, it's a totally different thing to put a little skin in the game. And uh, I'm so grateful for the over 10,000 people that have put some skin in the game uh, in regards to my race. And we're at the closing stretch. Every dollar helps. So then go to jacklaw.us. Nice. We're going to live link that in the show today. And, sir, you got any uh uh, social medias that you want to share, we'll live link them as well. Yeah, so Twitter, True Social, Instagram, Facebook, Telegram. I'm on them all. Uh, you know, get Facebook gel every once in a while, but that's okay. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. Well, so. If you haven't been in Facebook gel, you're doing it wrong. Exactly. Right? I mean, that's the bottom line. If you haven't been there, you're doing it wrong. I keep getting like, uh, hey, you posted this meme of uh, <laughs> Donald Trump with the uh, gun out the window, the limousine back in, in 2017, so you're going to have a 60-day ban from going live. Yep. So, fine, I don't even go live. <laughs> well, Jackson, we wish you the best of luck, you know, heading down to the wire right now. And, of course, after the uh, primary and, and you become the nominee, we're going to be looking forward to, of course, having you back uh, before the general election as well for an update. Uh, like I said, we'll live link everything in the show description today. And, uh, again, we wish you the best of luck. This is the pro-Trump U.S. Senate candidate great state of Oklahoma. Pastor Jackson Lawmeyer, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. An honor. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. All right, round and third, coming home. Last segment here. Let's end with a little compare and contrast. Well, not really so much because I didn't, well, you can't find a good clip from Joe Biden, but the fact of the matter is uh, he had some entrepreneur and executives into the White House this week, I believe. What a stupid son of a bitch. Indeed he is. Uh, to talk. <laughs> Apparently, the CEO of Joanne Inc. Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, I'm assuming, uh, you know, was there to talk about business promotion and... Uh, What's Joanne, Inc.? Uh, They're a fabric company. Yeah, oh, Joanne Fabrics? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know if that was the reference the, the, here. The crafty ones. Yeah, yeah no, I know Joanne yeah. Fabric. Yeah. So, so recently, the CFO of the company passed away. God rest his soul. And... Uh, Did you get the shot? Probably. And was thrice boosted. But they did it with knitting needles, though. You know what? Pretty, oh. pretty funny. I wanted, I wanted to get it in there during our new disinfo board thing, but... We talked about it last week. So somebody asked us on our show how we haven't been. Oh, it was on the AMA. It wasn't on our show. Gotcha. About how we've been able to survive without getting our actual podcast accounts nuked. Mm. And uh, I said it's probably a whole bunch of things. Algorithm-wise, our name is weird. We do an ex long, extensive in intro, so the bots probably don't listen long enough to uh, really get into the nitty-gritty. But, you know, we've talked about just about everything on this show. We didn't talk about COVID last week, but... We made fun of the fact that they're trying to uh, redo the name of monkeypox. That's oh, idiotic. To make it more culturally appropriate because it's racist. I think it's racist to say that it's racist. Yes. Exactly. But even though we mentioned you can't COVID my monkeypox, one sentence in the entire show, <laughs> we got a COVID-19 warning on Spotify. Really? Oh, yeah. So, impressive. Here's another one because you just mentioned crazy. that. Yeah. Oh, so shit. Yeah, COVID. It's coming. <laughs> COVID. What yeah. the hell? Yeah, it's pretty interesting, and it's been a long time. I, I went back and looked. It's been over a year when we were really into the COVID stuff uh, back in, in, in 2021 where we had gotten a couple labels. But, the, yeah, it was just – I saw it at the top of Spotify, and I was like – I went. Back, I had to go listen to the whole show again, and I'm trying to figure it out. 
I missed it like three times because it was like literally one sentence. COVID by monkeypox. That's it. Somebody's hating. So, but yeah, the CFO of, of Joanne Inc. passed away recently, and, and Joe Biden was extremely sympathetic in uh, oh, I did hear this expressing one. his condolences. Oh, and by the way, my sympathies to your the family of your F, uh, uh, your, your CFO who uh, oh dropped dead very unexpectedly. Oh. My best of her family. Dropped dead unexpectedly. Dropped. Dropped dead. Oh, wow. scissor me timbers. Glad you saved it. Jeez. <laughs> who says that? It's the leader of the free world, ladies and gentlemen. Dropped dead. Um, dropped. I mean, was that on the teleprompter? It couldn't have yeah, been yes, on the Yes, that was a press conference. Absolutely. But it was on the teleprompter? Dropped dead unexpectedly. Oh, on the teleprompter? Probably not. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's probably just Joe. Or maybe it was yeah. an in-speech edit. No, it was like uh, they put it on the. Te- okay, see if we'll say this. <laughs> Anything you put on the teleprompter, Biden will read. Yep. Yeah. I'm Joe Biden. Oh, the, sab- the sabotager. <laughs> we haven't been able to end on a good new late, good note lately because the news has been so drab. Mm. Um, we try to put a comedic spin on some of these topics, like COVID pox. Um, but you know, there's our Spotify warning again. Yeah. Good job. Donald Trump spoke today at the, uh, faith and freedom rallies mm. and he was down in Tennessee stumping and I pulled a couple clips to end the week on a good note. So we're going to hear him talking about, um, the comparison of what's going on with the January 6th stuff and how I actually read a good op-ed on this. It was, it, I think it was from actually like a liberal publication the other day that said, any success that the January 6th committee would have would spell doom for politicians like Chuck Schumer. And it's because he, you know, people like him and Nancy Pelosi and, and Maxine Waters all technically did incite riot throughout the summer of love and the Kavanaugh hearings, which led to breaching of federal buildings up on Capitol Hill. Um, and Trump talked about some of that hypocrisy. Let's hear him uh, weigh in uh, earlier today. They can. These are very vicious People, just like crazy Liz Cheney, removed the part of my quote where I urge people to peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard. Think of that. Compare that to Maxine Waters. You ever watch her? (laughs) You ever watch her ranting and raving and go get them and fight them and you know what? And many others. Look at Pelosi, her statements. They're horrible statements. Look at Schumer in front of the United States Supreme Court. He sounded like a mob boss. And they say, look, peacefully and patriotically. But look at Schumer. Go back and look at that tape. Frankly, Bill Barr, if he had courage, he would have done something about Mm -hmm. it. I suggested it. I suggested it. But he was so afraid of being impeached, he didn't want to do anything. How do you not get impeached? Don't do anything. Don't do anything. The committee is taking the testimony of witnesses who defended me for eight hours, chopping it up and truncating sound bites to make it sound like what they said was absolutely terrible. Mm. Kind of missed hearing his voice. It's been a minute. Yeah. He, hasn't, he hasn't done a rally in like a month, even though we know he's getting ready to really ramp up here. Last one was, I believe, Casper. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, a couple of people that are like Cash and, and Liz, they all said that, you know, by the end of this month and beginning of July, he's going to be really hitting it hard all the way up through uh, the beginning of November. So it's going to be good to see him back on the campaign trail. We do do our full coverage of all the Trump rallies. But uh, the next clip I pulled was talking about how, and we all know this, the dangerous, the greatest danger to our nation right now is the destruction of it from within. 
And, you know, I think that's kind of been like the theme of the show that we've gone through everything. The continued forced indoctrination with the Pride Month stuff. We've talked about like the gas shortage and you could parlay that into the economy and even foreign policy because they want to tie everything to Russia. The new rebranding of the disinfo board after it was just kind of canceled less than a month ago. And now, you know, President Trump talking about some of these things. Let's hear him. I've said before, the greatest danger to America is not our enemies from the outside, as powerful as they may be, and they get more and more powerful because we allowed that to happen. The greatest danger to America is the destruction of our nation from the people from within. And you know the people I'm talking about. That is why this November we're going to stand up to this left-wing fascism, and we're going to take back our freedom. We're going to take back our country in November. 76 years old on Tuesday. It looks great. It's like he's de-aging. He's gotten younger since he got out of office. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's he's reversed age. I mean, look at, I've said it before, look at Obama after eight years compared to Trump after four. It's bizarre. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's just good to see that he's, you know, still very vibrant and energetic and, and, you know, for as crappy as his diet, and so many people have confirmed, literally is, he does get out and get a lot of fresh air and sunshine, plays a lot of golf, and, uh, you know, has always stayed away from the drugs and alcohol. So that Does he, has to be does he walk when he it. golfs, or does he does he ride a... He's in the cart. He's yeah, in the cart? He's always yeah. in the cart, yeah. He's hmm. still golfing. Yeah. Come on, Noah. <laughs> I mean, walk a couple holes could be good for you. But a huge part of that, too, is that we can't... We can't be out there hearing that type of message and hearing all the positive things that are going on in in these races that are happening right now, like the special election in Texas, and thinking that it's just going to be handed to us. No. We've got to get out there, and we still have to you know, be as active as we can, supporting the candidates that we support, and, and just, you know, this is not the time to let up. This is not the time to just think, okay, Red Wave's in. You know, I, I can binge watch Netflix. It's not going to be a problem. Yeah, we thought the Red Wave was in last time. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we know what to do now. I, if nothing else, be learn how watcher. be a poll watcher. Mm-hmm. Learn how to take part in your local elections to make sure those shenanigans aren't happening. Be an election judge. I've yeah. done yeah. it for 20 years. Find something that you can do in your local area that will help that type of fraud from happening again, that will eliminate that type of possibility. Because the last thing you want to, you know, you don't want to be looking back at this period of your life and saying, you're not going to look back. I, I promise you, you're not going to look back and think, wow, I really could have just knocked out my Spotify playlist. You know, I really, you <laughs> know, it's steak this for was, breakfast. Yeah, this was the go. time for me, oh, uh, no, the present podcast accepted, but I mean, this is not the time where you, you're not going to be looking at that kind of stuff. It's like, I should have seen all of Yellowstone season one again. Mm. You know, like I could have done all that. I haven't seen episode one. It's a good I, I haven't seen any of it easier. I haven't seen any of that. Uh, aside, I haven't had a TV in 25 years, but nice. good for you. You know, this is not the time for that type. This is the time for us to be active. And if you have to sacrifice a couple of hours per week for the next couple of months, this is the time to do that and really make an impact. We can't give up. We can't be complacent. We can't, you know, we can't take our foot off the accelerator. Yeah, you make a whole lot of sense there because, I mean, a lot of people remember we're just in primary season right now and then we're going to have this whole extended period of time of more well in jungle primaries you may get of the same party but you know republican democrat matchup that's when the real 
exhausting stuff for the casual politics follower, but in the same breath, people that need to vote have to get involved. Like, you're going to see smear campaigns. You're going to see debates and, and, like, just endless stuff on the news. And try to detach yourself from, like, a lot of the noise that's being, you know, and, and really try to dial into the people who you can help make a difference in your area or your state or, you know, some of the people that are running more, even though they're local races, national ones that you can donate to and things like that. Um, it, it's been an exhausting period of time since, like, the start of the Trump presidency. We're, what, it's seven and a half years now of, mm-hmm. of nonstop news cycle spinning out of control. And, you know, it's not going to slow down. So if you're starting to feel a little bit exhausting, like Jen Zaki says, take a yoga class, pour yourself a margarita. Margaritas. And then get right back mm-hmm. in the fight. You know, it's one of those things. Um, I think, in a, well, in a, in a good way to end, our last audio clip of the week this week, uh, President Trump asked a question that a lot of people have been asking. Uh, we've, we've been hearing that an announcement might be coming, even though we don't think so because campaigns finance laws, it's a lot of money, uh, might be sooner than expected. But uh, his reaction from the people is a tell right there. Let's hear it. Anybody like me to run for president? Mm. No, what? Applause is longer than Biden being able to talk. That's very nice. Thank you very much. Wow. <laughs> Impressive length. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, listen, according to the January 6th committee, this is the most hated man in America. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, we just got to, like I said, it's time to get dialed in and really get refocused. Do what you need to do. Take care of your body. Take care of your mind. But in regards to this, this political stuff that's going on right now, especially the midterm elections and all these races, it's time to just kind of to focus in here and really, uh, like Bricksuit said, pedal to the floor all the way through November. And then what do we do? Inhale real quick. And yeah, we, get, we give ourselves a month yeah. off. And, and then, right then, back into then it. we start doing it again. Then we start, you know, then we can start actually pushing for the things that should be investigated in Congress to actually be investigated. Mm-hmm. Then we can start looking for actual accountability on things that we know occurred. Definitely. Yeah, and we can continue to identify basically traitors in our own party who are conti- going to continue to vote for America last policies, mm-hmm. like sending ridiculous amounts of money to Ukraine and uh, not doing anything about this energy crisis or the baby formula shortage and stuff like that. So definitely, I think, better days ahead, but there's still, like we- we've all been saying, a lot of work to do. Um, gentlemen, it's been great having you guys in studio today. Uh, before we get out of here, we want to direct all of our listenership to, you know, kind of continue to track you guys across social medias, wherever you guys want to give out. Brixie, what do you got? Um, best place to find me is on Twitter. It's at brick underscore suit. So there's a little dash between it. And, um, yeah, I'm on Gab at brick suit and not, excuse me, not Gab. I'm on Getter at brick suit and on Instagram at just plain brick suit. But I, I think I'll be branching out a little bit. I don't really have my truth social profile populated yet, but I'm, I'm going to get on there. But for now, just uh, on Twitter at brick underscore suit. I like it. And we're, we're doing pretty well on truth. Social because it's the only social media we get engagement on. Mm. And you're verified. Yeah, we are verified. Thank you. Cash Patel. Mm-hmm. Somebody said yes. <laughs> well, some- I just didn't have an Apple device. Oh, there you go. That yeah, was my problem. That's understandable. Yeah. We had uh, somebody was shared that uh, tweet that Gavin Newsom shared to true social as his first one. 
And uh, I went right into the comments section. And I said, I would like to speak to the manager of True Social and Tag Cash Patel. <laughs> so, I mean, he liked it, but, uh, you know, it's like, yeah. I guess they're just going to give it to him anyway. And then Sublime, we know you've been recently nude from Twitter. Yeah. Sorry for your loss. I mean, we feel sympathy for you. We're on our eighth account right now there. It's okay. But uh, where can we follow you? Where are you hanging out on, on anywhere these days? Yeah, so on Twitter, I'm at the uh, Save America chat, uh, which was our old Discord uh, Twitter account. Uh, right now we're on Gilded at the, at the link is on the Twitter uh, profile. Yep. You can find me on Instagram at Sublime and Slime, on Truth at Sublime and Slime, at, on Gab at Sublime and Slime. And most of all, you can find us on Reddit at Sublime and Slime. Go to our uh, slash Ask the Donald and you'll find a lot of good memes, some stories there. We're uh, pumping it back up and we have uh, our dark mega as well. Yeah. It's uh, it's growing by the day, um, and and only getting stronger. Guys, it's been great having you in studio. I, I don't think now uh, it's going to be the last time we'll be seeing you here. Hopefully, we'll be seeing you guys again real soon. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Not too bad uh, of a way to end the week. We had a uh, late reschedule with uh, Senator Mastriano in Pennsylvania, but we'll be getting him on the show very soon. Um, however. We're very pleased for all the guests, both in and out of studio, that we had today. And if you'd like to hear them in the uh, other 143 Steak for Breakfast podcast episodes, you can find us just about on every major downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podaddict, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, via the Roku app on the Patriot Podcast Network. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show credits! going to give them to our uh, in-studio guests today, Sublime and Slime and Brick Suit. Thanks for joining us in studio. In addition to that, there's some of our internet friends. Cagbro88, Patriotic Babe Accounts, Mr. Garbaggio, of course, Hugh White Memes, Christina Bob of Save America, and Tom Pappert, the editor-in-chief of Valiant News Live. Friends, don't forget to go and uh, toss a little cash donation at our partners. The only thing that... Uh, happens when you do that is you help make small american businesses great again speaking of which my pillow canceled by walmart this week what don't be communist like walmart and, and love china love america well, and you find something is not made in china at walmart there you go go take care of the uh geese to dream everything mike's got going down at my pillow um when you enter promo code stake at checkout you get big big savings MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website. And, of course, you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. Odyssey. Our headphones are absolutely glorious, and we love them. Um, highest of in-studio recording quality you'll ever own or pay for. And you can find those at odyssey.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay Ready Gear holsters. If you want a picture of Joe Biden saying he's sorry your CFO dropped dead, they will take that picture and put it on a concealed carry Kydex holster. Order's going out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com, Facebook, and Instagram. Man rubs. Don't mistreat your meat, Noah. You didn't mistreat it today. It was delicious. It was quite delicious. We had some uh, tasty treats here because Noah bought it, shook it, sprinkled it, rubbed it. We threw it on the grill. And then in some burritos and right into our mouth. Num, num, num. Manrubs.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. It's got a simple equation for all your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. WestCoastSurvivalArms.com is the website. On the telephone, 619-870-6992. And he's on Facebook Messenger. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. 
You're going to love their gear a lot and like their Instagram a little bit more. You can find them at MediocreMedic.com. And last but certainly not least, Dumpbox.us, home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. And that is a perfect transition this week. Except for when you say it's a perfect transition. (laughs) Upcoming shows. We're going to come right back on Tuesday with a banger. We're going to uh, sit down first and talk about, uh, well, now writing candidate in Tennessee 5, Robbie Starbuck. We're going to get a full update from him. We're going to do one of our favorite segments, Cash Patel. I think he's going to be joined by Max Miller. I told Max the date and time he hearted the message, whatever that means. So uh, hopefully he'll be here to join them. And we're going to circle back with Illinois' sixth candidate, Keith Pacquiao. Next Friday, another good one. Senatorial candidate, Arizona. Trump endorsed recently. Mr. Blake Masters will be back here. Jorge Ventura, who's uh, doing a lot of work in the same state of Arizona out in the Tucson sector. Uh, one of our favorite border correspondents will be joining us. And the CEO of TMTG, Mr. Devin Nunes himself, will be here virtually. Following week, we're going to sit down with the former acting attorney general, Matt Whitaker. And uh, two Fridays from now, so far I got Vish Burr and Christina Bob scheduled for the same episode. But like it always is, when people get back to us who are running in these races, they'll jump in the show and we'll fill in the spots. On the 8th of July, Monica De La Cruz, Trump endorsed Texas 15 nominee. She'll be coming in and uh, talking about her campaign. Besides that, Friends of the Week, who do we got? Let's go Brenda, Grand Old Memes, That Southern Dude. Hmm... Who else is banging them out this week? Ooh, the real Al Gorbachev had a couple bangers. Madam America. What do you got, Noah? See anybody out there? Silent Meme Jordy. Mostly Peaceful. Kind of like that one, too. Mm, I think we're going to... No, just kidding. Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, things to remember between now and next show. Extremely important, we tell you every week. Number one, do your own research. Uh, there's no way we can handle as many guests as we have on this show and talk about all of their individual races without hence doing our research. In addition to that, we try to bring you the news that's most important to you, and by doing that, we have to wade through all the crap, which essentially is research as well. Number two, start a podcast. It's super easy, especially when you have to cook, clean, and edit on the same day. Mm. Hey, that's you. Um, number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We don't talk about American greatness enough. It's time we start talking about it. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. Guys, we'll be back on Tuesday. And this has been episode 144 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Before we circle back next week with Keith Packow, Robbie Starbuck, Max Miller, and Cash Patel, on behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Sublime and Slime? Hello. Goodbye. Brick Suit? Been a pleasure. And of course, Antoinette is muted as usual. <laughs> Shit. Antoinette, come on. Hi guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening and take care. Trails, Hans. <laughs>